Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of the Nordic Football Podcast. And it's a very special episode for you this week. It is the the Elitisarian 2023 season preview podcast, the special show, yearly show. We bring you every single team in the league. We look at each team. And uh, my good friend and colleague here, Steve Wiss, will predict all you need to know about the Elitisarian. He's going to tell you everything you need to know and then make his predictions. Who's going to win the title? Who's going to go down? Who's going to be battling for Europe? Who are the players to look out for? Which fantasy players should you have in your team? All of it is going to be answered in the next hour or so on the Elite Assyrian Season Preview Podcast. So uh, without further ado, let me introduce the man, the myth, the legend, <laughs> Mr. Meatman Soccer. How are you, Steve Wiss? Mr. Jonathan for Dugba, I am doing well, thank you, my friend. You're sounding very smooth tonight. You're looking very smooth as well, I must say. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, you obviously uh, did very well in the season preview last week on Alsvenskan. Uh, very well received. Thanks very much for all your kind comments, everyone. And now it's my turn. It's now it's time. It's been a long, long wait. I've been chomping at the bit, and we are finally ready for liftoff on Monday. Easter Monday, the 10th of April. So bring it on. Yeah, thanks a lot. And for those who haven't listened to the Swedish Osvenskan episode, it was last week. You can go back and listen to that, of course. Um, it's available on YouTube, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast, iTunes, etc. Um, and for a bit of background, of course, if you're a first-time listener, maybe, uh, Mr. Wiss is our Norwegian in-house expert. He's been covering the Norwegian league for many years. Steve, you'll tell us a little bit of background. I've been covering Sweden for many years, but... Just tell us, you know, for those who don't know much about uh, your interest in Norwegian football, you know, you, you, you and Norwegian football go back a long way, let's say. They do go back a long way. It originates where I was looking for summer betting leagues to, uh, you know, bet, place bets on. And, uh, you know, I've tried a lot out down the years and Norway was always my most, uh, my favourite, my most popular, mostly because there's so many goals scored in Norway. And I guess it came from there, really. I always... I've kept my eye on Scandinavian football in general, but yeah, Norway has been the jewel in my crown as such. So, I mean, how long? It's a long time, probably. You're looking, I remember like posting on forums and stuff, um, betting forums, talking like 2004, 2005. So, yeah, how long ago is that? We're nearly knocking on 20 well, years. Two decades, mate. You're like the Arsene Wenger days. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah too long. Yeah. Too long. I mean, I mean, that just we're kind of showing our age a bit now, but yeah, yeah, just a, just an insight into the length of time that Steve's been covering this league, of course. Um, and there's been ups and downs, and you know, we've been doing this podcast now six, seven years. I remember when, um, there were early periods where you were very excited about the league, and then there's been down periods where you were a little bit not so enthused. Then there was a period of time when Glimp came along, that magical team, and you know, so many talented young players coming out of Norwegian football these days, it, it became a hotbed. Where are you on the sort of meat man scale ahead of the new season? You know, where what what's your assessment? If we look back to 2022 as well, you know, what's your overall take um, based on f- between last year and, and, and looking ahead to this year? I think excitement level has to be minimum 8 out of 10 on the scale. Minimum. Um, definitely maybe higher because, you know, there is a lot of excitement about elite Serian football now. There's a lot more interest around as well. You know, the fantasy thing has played a big part in that, especially a lot of fantasy Premier League players have been very interested in the league. The quality has got better. We know there's been a lot of 
big sales out of the league in, in the last two or three years, which I think is a credit to the league. And some great talent has been coming in. And I think Buda Glimt have breathed um, some great life into this league. It's almost like a fairy tale, isn't it? How a club can do what they've done. And honestly, the only I think the only fans are a bit upset about it is probably Tromso fans. But maybe their time will come, Tromso, in time. Who knows? Uh, so but I think they can give sort of motivation and uh, inspiration to a lot of different clubs and leagues around around the world. But I think, yeah, it's, it's, it's in a good place, Norwegian football. I am excited. Um, going back to 2022, it was... Once again, quite a one-sided title battle. The last three of the last four years have been one-sided. Molder were brilliant. They actually head into the season, uh, having won the last seventeen league games. Um, but there's some there's some good football going on, and you know, obviously, we've got the start of VAR coming into Norway this year, which I'm not looking forward to. But we just got to get used to life with it now. So, yeah, I'm sure there'll be some teething problems, but overall, excitement level. Let's go nine out of ten. Yeah, I thought you said. I thought when you started that sentence, we said excitement. Excitement is minimum. I thought you. I thought you said excitement is minimal. I was like, <laughs> good way to get everyone to switch off after a few minutes. But uh, minimum eight out of ten, and now you've upgraded it to a nine out of ten. So that is promising to see. Yeah, certainly it was. Um, you know, all the talk's been about Buda Glimp these last few years, but but Molde were the kings of Norway last season by by a massive eighteen point margin. Um, just looking at the sort of ins and outs on, on transfer see before we get into. We're going to bring you every single team in the league and give a little bit of an overview. But just before we get started, um, as we like to do, look at the overall spending um, in Elite. So in, as of sort of now, uh, according to Transfermarkt, of course, this, there's been there's been 165 departures from the league um, with a total income of 49.5 million euros for clubs um, and 15 million, 16 million euros spent, 15.95 million on 147 arrivals so the balance incoming balance uh 33.5 million has come into the league basically in terms of money so the clubs are certainly making a little bit of cash for themselves um and of course you know those arrivals those 147 arrivals i'm sure steve you're on top of all 147 of them and it can give us insight as we go along of course he mentioned there as well the fantasy element um steve you will give us details of the fantasy maybe at the break um but for those who aren't aware, of course, there's a fantasy elite Serian. Uh, we will have a Nordic football podcast league, as we always do. And on this show, we will bring uh, just a little, you know, just to give a bit of background. We, we keep extensive databases on all these teams, don't we, Steve? And, you know, we've mm. both got analyst backgrounds. Um, so we have detailed knowledge and we're going to so hopefully pass some of that knowledge on to you in terms of maybe players to keep an eye out for your fantasy team as well. Not only scouting, but also um, just players to watch in your fantasy team. Um, and just to compare it to last season, by the way, the net income for elite Serian clubs last year in 2022, according to Transmark Ding, was 24 million. So more and more money is coming into the league. Um, and transfer expenditure last season was 5 million. So, in fact, you could say that that's three times more spending, Steve, from clubs this year. So that's really the interesting background. Um, but shall we get into it? I don't know if you have a comment on, on, on the spending. Yeah, I mean, this is my pink book that you can just see here. This is my Elite Assyrian book. I'm kind of old-fashioned, me. Um, I've, obviously, I do keep a lot of databases on spreadsheets and stuff, but you can't beat a bit of pen and paper. And these notes have been going on um, since well, probably January, February, mate. So, uh, yeah, I'm well-prepped, so ready to go into it. For those who can't see, it's a shiny sort of fluorescent pink A5 
uh, notepad. Still got the sticker on it. It looks definitely like it's been it's been jotted in a few times for sure. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, looking forward to this show. And we'll get into it as we always do. We predict the table from from top to bottom. Uh, and of course, we're going to start at the top. Uh, I'm not going to give away who you've got to to win the league, Steve. But uh, obviously, the two clear favourites, bookmark book, bookies favourites by miles, really Mulder, the, the current champions, and of course, Buda Glimt, the uh, champions of the season before that. Um, pick, take your pick. Where would you like to start? Well, I think we're going to start with the defending champions, Mulder, and um, I mean the way I see it, I think it's a two horse race for the title. The bookmakers have both clear favourites. But a glimpse, slight favourites with, with most books. Not much in it, really. And I, honestly, I have really struggled to uh, predict this. The 1-2 has changed several times for me over the last month. So before, you, last... before, before you give it away, we'll, we'll talk about Mold before you give it away, basically. So, yeah, you've, you've chosen Mold to talk about, but... Well, yeah, I mean, we, we, we talk about the defending champions on each show, don't we? Yeah, of course. So, I mean, I still might change my mind now live on air. Um, <laughs> is that who, close? So you think it's it that is close? It is that close, yeah. I really, yeah, for me, it's that close uh, uh, indeed. So, yeah, but we'll, we'll start with Mulder and then we'll, we'll talk about Buda Glimt. And then after that, we will get into the rest of the, of the teams. But for me, yeah, one of these two teams, will. I don't see anyone else winning it, basically. Yeah, so um, other teams maybe not involved, but but Mulder, you know, they, like we just said there, they they kind of, you know, ultimately they, they pretty much walked the league, really, didn't they? Last season they were they were fantastic. Um, what's what's your assessment of them sort of going into this season? I mean, I'm, you've made your choice. I can see it here. We'll reveal it in a second, but just just give an overview of like Mulder over the last year or so. What did they do to sort of massively win the league last season? You know, what what changed? Would you say? And do you see a sort of potential continuation of this? Uh, Maybe new era for Mulder. They won the league 18 points. They only lost two games last season out of 30 uh, compared to Buda Glimp's six games they lost. Uh, so what, what changed and uh, what's your overall view of Mulder going into 2023? Well, what changed last year was the it was a formation. For many years, they were 4-2-3-1. They were successful with it. But then Buda Glimp beat them to two titles, including 2021, which was the one close title race. Uh, Glimped won it, I think, with a couple of games left. But for most of the year, it was pretty close. And it looked like Mulder were going to win it for, for a lot of that campaign. So I think that was a wake-up call. They changed their system, I think, primarily to deal with Glimped. And they beat them three times, twice in the league and once in the cup final. So it worked. But it actually worked pretty well against most of the other teams as well. They finished the season with 17 consecutive wins. That's incredible. I don't actually know what the record is in Norway, but it must be up there. So, you know, heading into this new campaign, they might be playing for records and everything. And um, really, well, if you look at the raw numbers and metrics, and, and we like that, um, Mulder overachieved defensively a lot. They had uh, 1.41 expected goals per game, which was the second best in the league. Buda Glimp was 1.23 goals, expected goals against per match. But they only conceded 0.83 in each fixture. Now that is quite, that's a massive overachievement, actually. That is nearly half a goal. Well, it's more than half a goal overachievement per game defensively. And now that is really hard to replicate again, I think. And I mean, the reasons for that are obviously two reasons, three reasons. The goalkeeper, Karlstrom did have a very good season, probably underrated season, actually not enough. Really. We're talking about him. Ch other teams missing chances against them. And then also, you know, putting bodies on the line. I've seen several high XG positions in, in data 
where uh, really good blocks from defenders are actually getting in the way. And that's not a fluke either. That is good, good defending. So that's where they won the league compared to Buda Glimpse on the, on the numbers. They just didn't concede as many goals. Whether or not they can keep doing that, I'm not sure. Um, heading into this season, they've always had goals in them. They've lost David Detra for Farner to Chelsea for, for uh, £12 million, pounds, which is a lot of money. And the main replacement is uh, Veton Berisha from Hammerby, former Viking player, of course, as well. There's a few other signings we'll talk about fundamentally. But the big question for me is, you know, these defensive numbers, are they going to overachieve, overachieve at that end of the field again? If so, by how much? It's asking an awful lot to overachieve by nearly 0.6 goals, isn't it, um, per game? I mean, that is significant. Yeah, and it's a good analysis there. I've got, I've got one or two questions for you uh, in terms of transfers. Definitely one or two names I want to ask you about. But uh, before we do that, let's um, let's put you on the spot. Who is your predicted champion this season or where have you got Mulder this season? Yeah, and I'm not a man that is known for sitting on the fence, but I'm really tempted to sit on the fence here. <laughs> and, not actually, and actually not, not, not a chance champion. of sitting on the fence. <laughs> You're not, not having not... joint champions, that's no chance. <laughs> Um, that, would, that would end six years of you t- telling me I sit on the fence by by sort of bottling the season preview prediction. Uh, no, no chance. No, I, I am. I am going. <laughs> what does it got? What does it got to? I am going to predict. Right. I I actually want Buda Glimp to win the title again. I do. I I just like how things have gone with that club. But I think my prediction is Molder to win the league. I think Molder win the league, and. And I think over the, the the explanation of that will not just include talking about them, but also glimpse in a minute. But look, they that despite those overachieving numbers defensively, they they finished how many clear eighteen points clear at the top last season. That's that's a heck of a a rise. I mean, you know, Buda Glimp to close that gap have got to obviously pick up more points themselves, but they've also got to hope Mulder drop down a bit, and um, you know. We look at the squad for Molder, and we talk about this. You talked about this in the Swedish preview with Malmo a bit. Um, the depth is unbelievably huge in every single area of the field. They have got all bases loaded and covered, and they've had injuries in the last couple of years, and they've managed to cope okay with them. And and the reason for that is because they've built this squad depth of, of great mix of experience, youth, quality, pace, flair, and skill, and. You know, over the course of 30 games, they're well equipped for it. And, you know, it's going to be this 3-5-2 or 3-4-3 system again. You know, obviously the goalkeeper, Karlstrom's a big player at the back. Um, You know, defensively, they've, they've had players that have done really well last season. In midfield, you've got guys like Sibert Mansverk, who I think this might be his last year at the club. I mean, you've got the club captain, Magnus Wolf-Eichram, who's still one of the most skillful players um, in there. And when you bring in Berisha, who's going to replace David Datro for Fana, he's probably going to be more effective than for Fana, to be honest, more clinical. Um, so, yeah, they've answered a lot of questions. And I think, really, sometimes when you do have such a great season, um, is the motivation, is the drive there as much? And it can be vice versa with the team chasing them. But I think they'll be, they'll be confident about getting over the line. And also, I think they're a more settled club. Like, I don't see Erling Moo going anywhere, the manager, for example. I don't really see too many of their players moving on in mid-season yet. I mean, it's always possible. It's more likely to at the end of the season. So, yeah, they're just a, a monstrous uh, club. And I, I've said before, I think the work that Erling Moo's done here is a bit underrated, really. They're not the most popular club in Norway for several different reasons, but I've always given them a lot of credit on this show. 
Yeah, I remember back end of last season, we had a little episode, didn't we, about Erling Moen? Well, not a whole episode, but just talking about his work. <clears throat> you were very praiseworthy of the work he's done there. And uh, it's a bit of a break from your previous few years, in fact, because this is the first season you've predicted Mulder uh, to win the league in the last three seasons, mm. last two year Buda glimpse. So shows you've maybe swing had a little swing of opinions here. Um, let's let's look at some of these transfers because, I mean, I'm sure even from a fantasy point of view, people are going to be looking at Beton Barisha, the Hammerby man. You know, I can give a bit of insight into what happened at Hammerby, but um, you know him much better than us, obviously from his time in Norway. He's back in Norway. He's not not been there long, was he, in Sweden? Um, how big a signing? So you've just said he could be even actually more effective than Fafana, who, who got a significant amount of goals last season, didn't he? He, was, he still scored about, I think, 15 goals, roughly. Um, yeah, maybe more. he did. Um, so... What what does Barisha bring to to Mulder? Signed from Hammerby, experience. He knows he's um, he's scored a lot of goals at this level before. He knows the teams, he knows the environment, and I think although he does have some history of injuries, I think he can bring a bit of durability to to Mulder because he's not going to start every single game. In fact, from a fantasy fantasy perspective, Mulder the hardest team. They're like the Man City of Fantasy Premier League, Jonathan, where you know, you talk about Pep Roulette, don't you? And this is sort of Erling Moo merry-go-round. You know, <laughs> uh, I, like I thought you'd like that one. It's very difficult because there's a lot of rotation around. You've got to probably hang your hat on some of these players. You're probably going to have to go for Bryn Hilton or Barisha in your team. One of those two up front. Um, but there are a lot of money, 12 million and 11 and a half. And just, then, just sticking just sticking to Barisha, is he? I mean, from your point of view, is he mm, a must-have? Would you say hundred percent getting him in a team, or are you say from what you're saying there, the Moo Mario go round? He's, he, he's on. He's on the. I think he's going to be on the penalties, and that's a big factor. That might just sway the factor if you if you're umming an R in between. Say, I don't know, Bryn Hilton, Barisha, Wolf Ikram. Although I wouldn't go near the Wolf because of his his minutes can be very limited at times. Although he scores a lot heavily, then that's what I would lean towards Barisha. Yes. Um, and, you know, there is a double game week. I think it's week four as well, um, where we've got the likes of Glimp, Vollerenga, Mulder playing Rosenborg as well, and Bran. So, yeah, you can you can sort of get your team ready for that double game week where Mulder plays Starbeck and Arsenal at home. I mean, you couldn't ask for two nice-looking fixtures, really. So, But, yeah, Barisha's going to be a key man. I don't really know what went wrong at Hammerby. I thought he would be a big success there. So, for him to move on so quickly did surprise me. But it's a good signing for them, really. And, you know, you lose Dasra Favana, who was... Very good for them, but um, I feel like he missed plenty of chances as well, as we've discussed on this podcast. I think Barisha can be a little bit more clinical. Um, but um, yeah, this is a juggernaut of a squad. And whether teams can be better prepared to face this system this year, I don't, I don't know. That The teams have got to react to this. Yeah, and um, obviously Barisha, for those who aren't aware, 28-year-old uh, striker uh, from Norway. Played for, <clears throat> played for the Norway national team. 10 games, one goal, and uh, of course, his elite Serian record is, is pretty good 73 goals in 188 games, 33 assists, according to Transfer Mark. Four goals <clears throat> in 14 games in, in Osvenskan. We always have that debate which is the tougher league. He, he really didn't adapt and, and was sold on quite quickly, to be honest. Uh, he was signed for 2 million euros from, uh, you know, by Hammerby in the first place. But uh, yeah, he never, never really seemed to get much of a look in, in the team. So uh, I don't really know what went on. And I think they just talked took the profit, to be honest. I think the opportunity came and they thought, let's just take the profit and move mm. on. Hammerby are a club that like to sell. Um, but Mulder, it looks like maybe it's a shrewd, shrewd signing there. You know, you 
Fafana, for those who aren't aware, obviously he's gone to Chelsea. Um, you've always been a little bit, let's say you've got a love-hate relationship with mm. him. Um, you know, you've had him in your you've had him in your tent to watch twice, uh, but despite that, you still uh, I still see you on Twitter commenting about him. Um, not we're well, not maybe the biggest fan of his. He's uh, currently somewhere around the Chelsea development squad. Obviously, the, the amount of spending that's gone on there. You think it's an upgrade then, in your opinion, uh, on Fafana? Yeah, I do actually. I think. I would definitely, on a one-on-one situation, hang my hat on Berisha scoring the goal over Datra Fafana. Certainly the 2022 version of Datra Fafana. He still has a long time to go in his career. So, um, yeah, they brought him in. They brought in Eric Kitalano from Tromso for half a million pounds. I don't think he's even going to start that many games. Just another example of fantastic depth. A player who scored a lot of fantasy points last year for Tromso. He's not going to get half that this year because he won't get the minutes. Um, an interesting youngster from Geis in uh, Gothenburg there. Havran Ibrahim, £200,000. Defensive midfielder might be worth keeping an eye on. And Anders Hagelskja from um, Aalborg in um, Denmark. The 700000 they paid for him. He was at Sarpsborg last season, last 10 games on loan, and he actually impressed me. So another defensive option there. They've still got injuries, long-term injuries to the likes of Martin Bjornbach, Jerry Sinian, Marcus Scorsese starting the season injured, I think. And Martin Ellingson. I, mean, I can't remember the last time we saw Ellingson. Or, and Eric Ulland anderssons coming back from an ACL. So there's still long-term injuries in the squad. And they always do seem to get a few injuries, Mulder, but they, they cope all right with them. So all things considered, I think they have a good, very good chance of defending their crown. Um, but I think it's going to be a very, very close season with Buda Glimt. Yeah, by the way, uh, Ibrahim, I'm not sure if he'll necessarily get much game time, but he's a good player, by the way. Good uh, young talent. He did really well for, he's done really well for guys and was looked at by a lot of big teams in Sweden as well. So was, I didn't actually realise he'd gone there. So that's 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 definitely an interesting signing. I know more of the world looking at him alongside AIK Hammerby um, and others. So f- final two questions, Steve. Well, one, mm-hmm. the first one I'm going to ask you is just a simple sentence, maybe uh, in terms of fantasy. Yeah. Who who would you say is the one player you would have in your team from that squad? Just keep it to like a, you know, you don't need to go into long detail, but maybe just putting you on the spot a little bit. And then I've got one final question on mold. Yeah, I think it would have to be Barisha. I, I love Bryn Hilton. I love him as a player, but I would have to probably go Barisha and I can't fit both in. Um, the goalkeeper is maybe underrated. Um, I'm not a big fan of, of spending money on fantasy goalkeepers, but they find a way of... of keeping clean sheets. I did mention, though, those massive overachievement in defensive metrics. So if you're a believer that it, it goes back to the norm and goes the other way, then maybe you want to avoid molder defensive assets for their defensive contribution. But the goalkeeper is probably as, as strong a pick as you can have. Good good stuff. And just my question, you talked about Mu there. Hmm. Your managers have a massive part to play, don't they, in setting the tactics. You talked about the formation change. Will he keep the same formation this season? And why is it that he's maybe not going to get a bigger job? Is, he, is it just that he's very settled there? Is he maybe not glamorous enough? You know, I know they've got obviously Champions League to look forward to qualifiers, but w- should there be more hype around Mo? And, and do you think his tactics will stay the same or do you think he might come up with another surprise? No, the tactics, I think, will stay the same now. Now, they might change if things suddenly don't work. We know he's done that 4 2 3 1 in his locker down the year. So if things suddenly go pear-shaped, maybe he, he revert back to that. I think there should be more hype around him. I think um, he, he's very still much under the radar. And I think a lot of people 
the reason they give that Mulder done well is because they've got, you know, they've had big budgets, they've got high class players. Don't underestimate the ability to actually manage a squad like this and the way he's done it. Um, he um, he's not particularly outspoken. You know, in the way, let's compare him to, say, Chesil Knudsen. I think, obviously, it's more a revolutionary system, a bit more modern thinking. I'm not actually sure the age of Erling Moo, to be honest, uh, how much age difference is between the two. But, uh, yeah, he probably, I don't think he's been given as much credit as he should. Um, I just don't see where he would go. Like, he's at, in his eyes, he'll be at the best club in, in Norway right now. Um, so where, where on earth could be somewhere that tempts him? I don't think it'd be anywhere in Scandinavia, even if, say, FC Copenhagen came knocking. I don't think. Um, and then, you know, you look in what other countries would would he consider moving to? I think he's very settled at Mulder, so I just don't see how he would leave. I don't think there's... Whereas with Knutsen, there's always been talk, rumours all every year that he's he's going to move on. Yes, and <clears throat> Mu is 52, by the way. Um, he's, this is his fourth year. He's he joined in April 2019. At Mulder, so he's been there for quite a while, whereas uh, Knutson is 54, so a two-year two-year age difference. Um, and Knutson joined in <clears throat> January 2018, so just a, a year as well in terms of how long they've been at their respective clubs. On that note, let's move on to Buda Glimt. You think it's going to be, you know, uh, flip a coin, wave uh, wave a candlestick? It's going to be close between the two of them, um, but you've got Glimt in second place now. Let's let's just look at them. I mean. They're a team that has just delighted fans across Europe, really, not only in Norway, but the, some of the work they've done. The Roma game is still probably one of the best games I've seen um, in the last sort of four or five years in terms of just all-round magical performances um, and good football as well. But you, you've got them in second place. Obviously, there was that 18-point gap last season, so something's not worked out in the last year or so. What is going on at Budaglin? What is your assessment? Well... I think I'm actually going against the grain here, but probably about 75%, 80% of the predictions I've seen have put Glimt as winning the league. So I may well be wrong with my prediction of them in second place. Um, and they got they finished with 60 points last year. And if you look back, I think there's definitely loads of optimism how they can improve to perhaps the 70-point mark. Because last year, so much was going on at the club. They... Um, Obviously, we're involved at this stage last year in, in, in Conference League, which I think derailed their start domestically a bit. Um, and then, obviously, in the summer, they had that incredibly mammoth run in the Champions League. They were, what, five minutes away from penalty penalty kicks against uh, Zagreb to qualify for the group stage of the Champions League. And I think that derailed them. It's not easy playing in Europe week in, week out, and then getting so close. And then obviously they're involved in the groups as well for the conference league. So I think they, I think you can accredit probably as many as 10 points dropped due to Europe. So that is something, obviously we've got to consider that in the summer, they're going to be involved again, but it's only going to be conference league qualifying, which I think obviously can take it a bit out of you, but only maybe the last round. So logically, I think that there is that factor. Um, they're in the Norwegian Cup semi-final, uh, which takes place soon against Lillestrøm. They're the favourites to win that competition now with Bran and Starbeck the other side of the draw. If they lifted that trophy, it might just give them a real boost. Um, I think last year they lost that final to Mulder and it, it was a real downer for them, not just because they lost the cup final, but who they lost it to. So that could be uh, another reason why they really gives them a boost. And I think the squad was a bit more unsettled last year as well. I think 
the squad this year is a little bit better. They have reinforced fairly well. There's still an area or two I'm a little bit concerned about, which is I'll come to that soon. Um, but yeah, I, I, I expect them to get more than 60 points this year. I, I expect them close to the 70 point mark. And then it's just a question with the Molder. Molder Molder won't get 78 points again. They'll drop down. It's just too hard. And I think there could be a very thin layer of paper between both at the end of the year. It may well, wouldn't shock me in the slightest, Jonathan, if it went to a final day title decider, which we're kind of long overdue, aren't we, in Norway for that? I don't think, has it ever happened since we've done the Nordic Football Podcast? I don't think it ever has. Still one of the best uh, climaxes to a season was that one in Sweden where three teams could win it. Um, maybe we can get something similar for, for Norway this year. But uh, Glimt will go very, very close. Um, I think they're going to be a, a fine team. <clears throat> yeah. Well, according to you, it won't be a three-horse. It won't be, unless we have some massive surprise. It won't go to a three-day final. But you, you think maybe a two-day final is potentially possible, which is really interesting. Talked about spending, Stephen. One of the things that sort of um, grabs my eye when we just talk about Glimt is that, you know, the money they've spent. Because... I mean, I'm not suggesting that Scandinavian football is becoming a bit of a powerhouse, but there is a bit more financial might, isn't there? And I'm just looking at some of these transfers that they brought in. You know, they've bought Patrick Berg, um, obviously back for four million euros. Uh, I know that obviously that was um, done before, but they've, they've, they've brought in quite a lot of players, haven't they? Um, they spent yeah. a million on Sorensen, a million on uh, Odin Luras Bjurtoft from Odd. Um, there's there's a lot of money that has been spent by them over the sort of let's say last calendar year. Grom Grom back as well from Aarhus. Would you say that the the success they've had has actually led to a sort of financial might? Um, and and do you how much has that propelled them? Because a lot of their success has been sort of from the academy, isn't it? The players they develop themselves, but now they've got that might to be able to maybe go and spend. So where do you think they sit on that balance of still like relying on their academy talents, developing players versus? being able to now maybe just pick up the real deal, finished product maybe, and bring players back like Berg? Certainly. They they now have the financial clout to, to compete with the big boys in Norway, no doubt about it, as these figures suggest. They still have been developing younger players, not necessarily from their own um, academy, but they, they still will bring you know the younger players coming through, um, you know, like your Isaac and Munson's of this world. Um, the, the lad that went to, to Gothenburg, uh, Elias Christopher Hagen was an example of that. And, um, you know, a few others as well. But there's no doubt about it. They now have that clout. And if we look at the the, the major loss from from the squad in the off-season. It is Ola sold back into Roma on a free. But he actually was injured for half of last season. So that, that, that in itself is something where, you know, 1,074 minutes, that's all he played in the league. So great player, but in terms of from 2022's output, it's not a massive loss. Um, the big changes in, in defence. I think they've brought back Frederick Andre Björkan, who was brilliant for them in 2021 and before on a free transfer from her to Berlin. Adam Sorensen, another left-back from Lingby for a million. Björtoft is a, a talent to watch out for, a 24-year-old now from Odd for another million pounds there. And experienced head, um, Omar El Abdelawi, a right back from uh, on a free 49 Norwegian caps. And in the minute he's injured, I don't think he's going to probably play until May, but that is a nice experienced head and a bit of quality to add to the dressing room as well. So big changes in defense. The goal, the goalkeeper situation is the one spot I don't like. 
they were they were going to be getting Leopold Wallstedt from Odd, but that fell through. The player himself decided he didn't want to leave Odd. So that left them in a bit of a hole. They've got Uli, Julian Feierlund, who, former Rosenborg talent, of course. I quite like Lund, but he's never really going to be, not yet anyway, a number one goalkeeper for a side that wants to be winning the league and also obviously be challenging to qualify for European groups again. So I think Firelund's a really good number two. They brought back Nikita Kaikin, who left um, at the end of the season for Bristol City. He left on January the 25th officially. Um, made the bench, I think, for eight or ten games for Bristol City. And now he's back uh, on a free. It just didn't work out there. So obviously Nigel Pearson, you know, maybe he didn't like what he saw from him or maybe maybe Nigel Pearson was like an ostrich and had his head in the sand. But um, Kaikin, I've always thought him, he's a decent keeper for Glimps. Um, but I just feel like Valstead would have been a massive upgrade. You know, I think he would have given them the extra factor, you know, really good shot stopper reflexes. So Kaikin, he's staying the same effect of the same goalkeeper, but that left the club and he's rejoined. It's an okay situation, but I think long-term they need to be looking at getting a really top, top-class keeper. So it's mm. a shame Jim <clears throat> Valstead didn't come. Yeah. And I know you rate him a lot. We had a Wisecout blog where you've uh, talked about him as well. So uh, keep an eye out for that if you follow us on Twitter at Nordic Footpod or obviously Wisecout's website. Um, and we're delighted to partner with him again this season to bring us um, video content and analysis. Um, I've got to ask you about, you're talking about some players there uh, that to look out for. Obviously, Bjorkan coming back is a, is a big boost. The main question always with Glimpse is, is really the manager. Um, you know, yeah. we, did, we did start this section with Knutsen. Uh, funnily enough, Steve, when uh, we had a little chat about the Chelsea job about a week or so ago, uh, potentially becoming available in Spurs, I, I gave you a, gave you a little tip, didn't I? Um, but uh, as I was looking at the Spurs um, vacant manager's job and the favourites for the next manager job at Spurs, there's a name that came up on the list uh, which caught my eye, and that is the name of Kit Jorgensen. I think he was about tenth favourite or something like that. He's, you know. But the fact he's even on the list says something, doesn't it, about him. Even just a quick Google search, I can see Norwich, I can see Burnley, I can see Rangers, I can see um, Bournemouth. I mean, he seems to be linked to to more managers than than Alan Kirbishley, uh, or you know, in uh, or, or Rafa Benitez um, these days. Every single prem job that comes available it seems he's, he's the outside tip. Is this the year he takes the leap? Because those who know Norwegian football, this it's been on the seems to have been on the cards for about five, four years, Steve, really. Um, but it's never happened. He stayed very loyal to Glim, hasn't he? Um, what, yeah. what, what's your assessment of that? Because you did say that was maybe one of the factors in you choosing who wins the title. Yeah, and um, we know we, I, it was strongly rumored last year that he turned down two championship jobs. He was close to considering going to the championship. Um, there was even rumors he turned down a Premier League job. It supposedly he was the second choice on the Brighton shortlist behind Deserby. Now, Brighton are a club that do brilliant recruitment, both in terms of players, staff, recruitment, everything. And you know, for him to be on that list just shows you how I think well he's thought of. Um, they've made a great choice in Deserby, but they would have made a good one in in Chesterfield as well. I was really excited when Leeds sacked Jesse Marsh for several reasons, but one of them was. You know, at one point, Chetil Knudsen was the second or third favourite. And I'm thinking, go on. Go yeah, on. He's on the, yeah, he's on that Google search, actually. Yeah, Leeds are there I'm like, well. go on, Rad Drizzani, our Leeds uh, president. 
get him in. And I was thinking this, I would have been very excited to get Chetuk and listen in. But yeah, I think at some point he's going to have to make that leap. And the most likely time for it is obviously in the summer. That is a time when managers most likely to take over clubs in mainstream Europe. Got a whole preseason. And I just, I just got a feeling this particular year, there'll be, he won't be able to help himself. He's 54 now, like you say. If he's not going to move this year, I think he may never <laughs> leave Scandinavia. So, yeah, it's now or never with uh, Chetil Knudsen. And the big problem for, for Budiglum, if Chetil Knudsen left, I, I do think their level would drop. They've got good players, but they'd, he'd be almost irreplaceable. If Erling Moo walked away from Molder right now, I would still say they could win the title, definitely. I don't think an awful lot too much would change unless they brought in a terrible manager. As long as they brought in someone serviceable, they would challenge. Glimt, Chetil Knudsen is such a big part of their setup that it would be a massive blow to lose him. So with that doubt in your mind, I feel like he may well go this summer. It's just never that convenient for him to leave at the end of the Norwegian season, is it? Around sort of November time. So there is that danger. I mean, he's a consummate professional. Um, <clears throat> you can, I mean, we've had so many episodes talking about Kitzel Knudsen. I feel like one day, I mean, if anyone listened to the show who likes clipping audio content, by the way, uh, get in touch, email us because we've got so many clips talking about Kitzel Knudsen for the past few years, haven't we, in terms of his achievement, his style of play, what he does with the team, mentality, the, the, the philosophy he instills into them. There's so many things you can read about him that we won't go into now, maybe, but, you know, he's such an all round manager. Um, but I think. The, the, the interesting thing on that is, that, like you've said, the rumours have to be a little bit distracting. Would you not, would you not think? Just being linked to so many jobs Definitely. over the years, getting approaches. Do mm. you, I mean, I'm not saying suggesting that he's <laughs> distracted by that, but it can't it can't help Glimp, can it? That every five minutes, um, no. there's sort of rumours going in. Do you, do you think that noise maybe affected them last year at all? And do you think it could affect them this year? Or do you think he's got the ability to just zone that out and um, and it doesn't affect the club? That, I think spotlight. it has. Yeah. She also see the spotlight, you know, in, even with Europe, you know, there's been a lot of spotlight in Europe, in, yeah. in European football, hasn't there, on Yeah, there has. And I don't think anything was quite the same since the Jose Mourinho incident, to be honest. I think that shook Jessel Knutson a bit. Um, I think it was like a reminder, you know, if I want, if you want to be a big boy, that's what you're up against. All right, Mourinho is maybe an extreme example because he is, but it, it, I think it was a reminder to, to him it's a tough world out there at really the high levels. And maybe that's put him off going to some of these places. Maybe that's why he's waiting. If he is waiting for the right project for him. Yeah, but the, yeah, in terms of the rest of the squad, there's so much been going on with these distractions in, in the last couple of years. Maybe they're more used to it now. Uh, I guess we better talk about why actually this manager is linked with, with these clubs so often because they play a great brand of football. It's not just um, great results, but it's a great watch, really attack minded, coordinated pressing, great movements and obviously development of the players as well in terms of um, clearly up coaching the players. Obviously it's not just him, it's his coaching staff as well, whole team around him. We've got to give all of them credit, but um, there's so many factors towards Knutson why he is an, an appealing player and they scored the most goals last year in the league to Serie in 86 goals. I think they went, scored over a hundred goals in one of the seasons. They won the league incredibly high XG, the most of any, any other team, uh, 2.33 uh, they always overachieve their XG because the likes of Pellegrino's in the team who scores wonder goals. So they've got guys who don't just score tap-ins, but they've got guys who can score from 20, 30 yards out regularly uh, from extreme situations. They had the best expected goals against in the league, 1.23, but they did concede 
1.37 per game. And that's an area where I think that's why they're bringing in these extra defenders to maybe make sure they live up to those metrics. If they can just sh- shut out goals. The problem is, though, I mean, already we've seen the Norwegian Cup, a, a mad game against Viking. They were 3-1 down and won 5-3. There's too many of those games in last year for me where they just concede goals randomly. And sometimes they do enough to win them, but eventually that bites you. You need to keep clean sheets more more regularly, and I think that's what they need. They need to find a way to control the games like they did in 2020 and 2021. If they can do that, there's absolutely every chance they can regain the title. Yeah, fantastic stuff. And I mean, in terms of what you said there about the Mourinho, it's that we, I remember the comments he made, I think it was a direct quote where he said, you know, he kind of put him off football. Uh, yeah. So you know you're not mm. you're not exaggerating there. And some people might listen to that and think you're being a bit far fetched, but he did actually even say it. Question made him question his uh, you know, it was became a really ugly tie in the end, didn't it? Mourinho would up the, the tricks that he can get up to at times to get in the head of other managers, maybe. Um, but yeah, so you've got you've got Glimpse second. We'll move on in a second. Just mm. just finally, Steve, um, one name for the, your fantasy team from Glimpse if you had to pick one. Or two. Two. I'll let you have two. Let's say two players that you absolutely have to have in your team and they are expensive, but you've got to get them in. Armel Pellegrino and Ugo Vettelton, 100%. 13 million and 11 million, two midfielders who will just score goals, get assists, get bonus points. And if you don't have them in your team, you may well lose a lot of ground on your opponents in fantasy. It's as simple as that. I just want to make one mention to Joel and Vuka, who's an 8.5 million player, really nice value there, but he will only be with the club until June because he has signed for Lorient. I think it was like 4 million pounds. Uh, he's on loan until mid June, and then he will be uh, going to Brittany and um his stuff in Liga from the start of 2024, 20, 2023, 24 season over there. Yeah, and um, <clears throat> great stuff there for your fantasy team. In terms of Glimt, uh, they've only won the league twice in their history, 2020 and 2021, of course. That fairy tale story. Let's see if it continues or not. But in third place, Steve, you've got one of the only teams. Just looking here, I think one, two, three. One of the only six teams in the league that plays on, artificial, on natural grass in the elite Syrian. Um so it's a team that, for the listeners who've long-time listeners, I know you, we talk about love-late relationships. Yeah, I know you. Another... You are absolutely teasing the listeners here, by the way, because I <laughs> think they know of, uh... what you're going to say here. <laughs> it's another sort of club that you've had a long love-hate relationship with. They've been up, they've been down. Um, but we did actually cover them a fair amount last season. And, you know, you, you, you were a bit high on them last season. Um, take it away, Steve, with your tip for third place. And I have to say, I really hope I'm right about this prediction. Um, in fact, I'd love them to get involved in the title race, actually, because I like how they're being run at the moment. The team I'm predicting for third this year is is Lillestrom. And that might come as a bit of a shock to quite a lot of people. Um, you know, I think they would be in most people's top five, certainly top six. But I don't think any many would have them as high as third. But they've finished fourth both of the last two seasons. That's pretty solid work. And they will, will once again, they'll be in Europe if they win the Norwegian Cup or if Buda Grimt win the Norwegian Cup. So that's something for them to look forward to uh, there. But I think this is a team that has the potential to improve this season, um, mostly because of the signings they brought in, not just now, but sort of from last summer. Uh, and they're, they're a developing project where I like the staff that's in place. I like the infrastructure at the club. 
And you mentioned that natural grass. That is, they really, it's a an awkward place to go as well. I think home advantage is, is really important. Um, I think Rosenborg had the best home record last year and they're on natural grass. There's so much artificial going around now that often teams don't like traveling here. So, um, yeah, I think Lillestrom can maybe surprise a few people here and um, and get into the medals. It'd be nice to see them get in the medals, actually. And, um, yeah, I, I'm putting faith in them above two or three other teams that others may have higher. <clears throat> yes, and they're a team that, um, you know, they've got a lot more success historically than um, than Glimpt, even five five titles, aren't they, Steve? Yeah, they they, they do have a history. Um, they're a club based in the Oslo region. Big rivalry with Volarenga. That's one of the big fixtures of the season, as as always. Um, just going to briefly say one of the main reasons I like them is I think they've probably got the best strike duo in the league. They've got two fantastic strikers at the moment. Akor Adams, the Nigerian front man. What is it about Nigeria producing incredible strikers at the moment, by the way, Jonathan? And um, Thomas Len Olsen. So that duo, Thomas Len Olsen was, uh, I think he was the top scorer in the league two or three years ago. He went somewhere in the Middle East, got paid, and then he, he came back, Lillestrom, in the second half of last season. But the formation they played last year was more 3-4-3. So they always went with one striker. Well, it's obvious what they're doing this year. The, the manager, Guy Becker, wants to get them both in the team together. So we're looking at 3-5-2, and I think that is an absolute nightmare for defenders to deal with. Adam, they're both physically strong. Adams has pace um, and skill, and Olsen's just an absolute poacher. Um, you know, they're both guaranteed goals if they stay fit. Whether Adams lasts the whole season with them, I don't, I don't know. Um, I think the player himself, basically, he didn't want to leave in the winter. I think there was would have been there was offers for him he wanted to stay maybe in the summer if he just goes bonkers then it just will be irresistible for him or the club to move on i've got a feeling he may may last the season but a very worst case scenario they're going to get him till july so they've got goals in them no doubt about it i really like the goal situation and they're playing this 3-5-2 i think they've got a good defense they've, they've strengthened defense by adding a big power horse ruben gabrielson from austin fc in mls former Lillestrom uh, before and Mulder to lose as well. And he's come over because of their personal reasons. But it's a great, great signing for them. Um, a massive coup. They wouldn't have expected someone like him. Uh, but they've also handpicked a couple of good players domestically. Uh, Vettel Sharvek was strong for Hamcam last year. Probably only going to sit on the bench, but he's a great option. Um, Tonneson from start for 300,000. Nice player, can play left back or left wing back. And, uh, you know, they've got uh, options. I think probably the weak point is in midfield. If I had to pick a hole, I think they could do with a little bit more midfield depth or a bit of quality. That will, if it, anything lets them down, it will be there. But overall, they are looking strong. And I always love teams, mate, that have got goals in them, as you know. You do indeed. And <clears throat> Aquarium's a player you've talked about a lot, even on Scout. I think you've had a, a blog on him and you've always named him as a player to look out for. One of the reasons that I do enjoy doing the show with you, Steve, you are, despite your uh, despite your acid tongue at times for teams, that you are you are a fair man at heart. You know, you, I remember the years when Lillestrom got relegated, and you 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 definitely had a bit of venom for them. But uh, one thing I can say about you is you you are you do call it as you see it. You're not you're not like you're not harsh unnecessarily, which I, I think is a a good trait to have. You know what I mean? So you, you've you've come round to them, and now you've been praising them a lot in the last year or so. So. To me, I think that's a, a, a great characteristic of yours. Um, but let's look at kind of, you know, you mentioned the sort of the key, key players. I mean, they've lost a couple as well. 
I'm just going to name a couple of outgoings. Ego Ogbu's gone to Slavia Prague, 2.5 million. I know this isn't this might this is over the last year, of course. Some of them might have left uh, previously, but uh, Khan Karinen, centre midfielder to Prague as well, Sparta Prague, 1.5 million euros. So they've made quite a fair bit of money. I mean, Tom Pettersson, for example, we talked about on the uh, on the uh, Osvenskan season preview. He's gone to Mialbi and Colin Rosler has as well, both from the same club, both gone to Mialbi who are in the Swedish Cup final. I mean. Paul Andre Helen, he's gone. I know he's a bit old now, but are they? Is there anyone they're going to really miss, or do you feel like you've got them third? So you, I'm, I'm guessing you think they've managed the squad well. But is there anyone that you think you know we could be could be a bit of a miss? Yeah, Ogbu had a very good season last year in defence, and Pettersson actually did reasonably well until I think he had an injury. So that's why they've had to bring in so many defensive reinforcements. Um, but I'm really confident they've not just replaced them, but actually upgraded. Mm-hmm. Um, some key players to, to watch out for. Uh, how can I forget the goalkeeper, Mads Christensen? He's probably maybe the best goalkeeper in the league, in my opinion. Fantastic shot stopper. Um, and yeah, he's the last line of defence. He even scored a goal for them last season. So, um, yeah, he's one of my favourite keepers in the league. Former 10 to watch, of course, on the list there. Vettel Dragsnez can now move out a bit wider into the left wing-back spot where I think he's going to be more effective rather than left centre-back. Um, so, yeah, Paul Andre Helen's actually still at the club in a coaching role. I think uh, it was a surprise. Um, I think he's coaching the under 19s, but he's also uh, working for TV and he's signed for like a fourth division club to do some games as well. So he's a man of many traits at the moment. Paul Andre Helen, he's actually uh, someone I'd love to get on this podcast one day. I don't think he would ever agree, but you never know. Um, because he's quite a bit of an outspoken uh, figure. Um, you know, once compared winning um, elititarian titles at Rosenborg to the birth of his children, things like that. I think he'd be a very interesting character, but he's still going to be around the club, which is important. And he's also had a say in some of these players that they've brought in. I, I know he's he's come out and said, um, you know, for example, there's a, a player they brought in, another young Nigerian, Uber Charles midfielder. Helen had a big part in, in bringing him. He, he believes he's the next John Obi Mikel. So, you know, I think there's some really good... You've got Tony Ordinas is at the club you know, in the setup, coaching and also recruiting. Fantastic man we had on the pod once. They've got a good setup in place and this club is on the up, uh, Jonathan. I think they're just a little bit light to get involved in the title race. So I'd love to see them mix it. And they did mix it for a while last year. Yeah, Odinas was on the sh- on the podcast. If you go back into the archives, we do have an eclectic mix of former guests. And we do actually have a special guest coming for you in the next week or so, which we may well discuss on this show. If not, keep an eye out for it. Subscribe to the YouTube and the podcast. We're closing in on 500 YouTube subscribers and we'd love to get that soon. So if you aren't on the YouTube yet, then maybe go and click uh, click subscribe. But Lillestream in third, and uh, I do like your Tony Ordinas. He was a great interview, actually. Um, one player for the fantasy team, Steve. Yeah, I think you're going to have to go with um, Thomas Len Olsen, really, because he's going to be on the penalties up front. Adams is a cheaper option by one million, but because uh, Olsen is on those penalty kicks, and I think you've got to look at him. And Good I think Vett, one of the Vettel Dragsnes left wing back, I think, could be getting quite a few clean sheets and assists this year. Sweet, you like that. And so Lillestrom in third, a big call. You had them in fifth last season, which that also surprised a lot because they were just newly promoted, weren't they? I think. I think uh, the so. previous season, I think they were newly yeah. promoted. Um, but I've yeah. been high on them since yeah. they've come in the league, and I've, they've kind of proved me right so far. Yeah, so let's see if that can keep going. Uh, the team that plays in, in yellow and <clears throat> in fourth place, they were, well, arguably the biggest club in the league. 
Uh, who have you got here? I mean, it's one of two, isn't it, really? I have gone with Rosenborg in fourth place. And um, I think if you'd said this to me at the back end of last season, I would have been surprised at myself because Rosenborg back end of last year's season were really on the up. They've got themselves back in the medal spots and we're thinking next year they challenge for the title with Limpton and Mulder. But I don't like how the winter's gone for them, to be honest. I don't. Um, they've sold the big man, Kasper Tengstedt, to Benfica, £7 million. Now, Tengstedt was unbelievable what he did since they, they signed him from a, from a Danish club, Horsens, midway through last season. His goals and assists combined were, were nearly 30 combined in something like 15, 16 games. It's outrageous stats. I, have to, I actually stupidly haven't got them to hand. I have to look into my uh, pink book here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 1,201 minutes, 14 goals and... Um, sorry, 15 goals and nine assists. I mean, it's outrageous, really. I'm an incredible player. They've got good money for him, but that's a massive loss. And I just don't think they've replaced him yet. I still think the squad is actually a little bit thin on the ground. Um, there's always a massive, massive injury problem here at Rosenborg, which they've got to get on top of. They've got to get on top of that. So, and I don't like how they're looking heading into the season in, in pre-season. Very similar to last year, actually. I think they could be a little bit slow out of the blocks if they're not careful. But I do expect them to improve as the season goes on. They'll probably reinforce in the summer transfer window. They're going to have some money to spend. And I think they'll get into their rhythm as the year goes on. So over the whole course of the season, um, I think fourth place is a fair assessment. I could see them uh, as high as third. I don't get. I don't see them getting in the title race, though. Yeah, and they've never, you know, this is a big club, Steve. You know, it's a bit, I mean, it's from a Swedish perspective, this is almost like sort of having Malmö so low down for so many years. Mm. You know, they, they don't, they never seem to be on your, on your radar. I mean, what what really is going on with Because they've won the league 26 times in their history. I mean, but they've not won it since 2018. I mean, pretty much, Steve, the minute we started this podcast, they they packed it all in. So I, think, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I don't I mean, I'm sure it's not related, but, um, you know, they only won the league twice since we've been doing this show, which is, really i think pretty extraordinary for such a massive club where are they actually going wrong because i know they've got conference league they finished third last season so it's not all doom and gloom but i've never seen you come into a season preview with real conviction about them to be honest uh, and maybe maybe in the early years but last three or four years it's been it's been pretty bleak where are they going wrong in terms of their direction as a club well you've got to ask yourself the question why did they win so many titles and it's because during those periods they had by far the biggest resources, finances, best squad by miles. Don't get me wrong, there was also some good coaching, I'm sure, at times, and um, you know players that have done well. But what happened is other teams got really good in Norway. Look at the Glimp project. Molder, as soon as they started to sell, say, Holland, they've really done well with that investment and the money, got themselves into positions. And now there's other teams snapping at their heels as well. Like your Lillestrums, Wallerenga would love that. We'll talk about brand soon. And, you know, Rosenborg, it's, it's a question of you, you snooze, you lose sometimes. And I just think they took their eye off the boil a bit. Um, certainly, they, they made wrong, they made a wrong managerial appointment with Eric Hornland, for example. Things like that can bite you in the long term. I'm still not sure, really, they've got the, the perfect manager for them. I mean, Jettel Rechdal done well. I like plenty of things about Chetel Rekdal, but I still think they'd be better off with a more modern, forward-thinking coach who is a little bit more on attack-minded. I think still think Rekdal 
deep down is a defensive coach and that can sometimes be to your detriment really let's be honest they only started to catch a light last year when Tengstead came in but there are some positives but if they're not careful Jonathan like that Tengstead's brilliant second half of last season we'll, we'll we'll look back on it and think well what was the point of it all it got them was a third place finish and nothing else so if they don't invest that money you know it's it's almost sad isn't it that a player is only at a club for what six months, and 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 then he goes because he's so good. And it's like oh, you just don't get your your money's worth out. I mean, you, you you know, I remember say for Leeds with Rafinha, we had two really good seasons out of him, and we it's fine. We he goes after that six months a player. Imagine Man United. I mean, it wouldn't probably not the best example for you actually, but say you got an unbelievable player, the next Messi, but you only had him for six months, then he goes. You feel a bit shortchanged if you didn't actually win something in that period, wouldn't you? Um, but they haven't. All they've got is a third place finish. So his legacy will be if they, you know, they've got to use the seven million money and uh, really get this squad going, not just for this season, but the next two or three. But you know, there is positives as well. I do like the direction they're going. Um, I, I've said before, there's uh, too much experience and, and aging players in the squad, but they've brought in a lot of younger talents this this particular off season. A couple of uh, Icelandic players have caught my eye. Um, obviously, last season, Crystal Mali Ingerson came in. Um, Wunderkid of, of Iceland uh, got injured for a bit, but he's looking good in pre-season. They've brought in Isaac Schneer Thorvaldsen, former Norwich City youth, I think, uh, from Breidablik in um, and Iceland. Scored a lot of goals in that league last year. He looks different. Oscar Arga from Elfsborg, uh, I think he's another 22-year-old. He's got significant potential. They've brought in Agon Sadiku from Honka in Finland. 15 goals in 25 appearances last season. All these guys are under 23 years old. And then you've got another Finn they brought in from HJK, Santi, Santeri Vanonen in defence. So they are maybe starting to learn their lessons in the recruitment model now. Rather than going for these older statesmen, I think, but again, this can take time. And I think we can't expect miracles out of him in this first season. Yeah, and going back to your point there, <clears throat> in terms of tanks that he was, I mean, he was ridiculous, wasn't he? He's mm. probably one of the best since Harlem, maybe to come out of um, or out of this, this region in terms of just his impact, wasn't it? I mean, 7 million Benfica, that just shows you the level um, of talent he had. He was he was so good. But you're right, you know, I can understand what you mean, especially when it's, it's almost like, I feel like it's almost an admission of their status, if you know what I mean. Like losing a player that good so quickly is almost that normally happens to sort of like the small clubs, doesn't it? Really, and yeah. I, you know, that's I think it's a bit of a worrying thing for Rosenborg in terms of. I mean, you can't turn that money down, but it's it's almost a bit of a sign. Like, are they on the downward spiral slightly? Um, but we shall see. I mean, their sporting director Mikael Dawson. I, I remember him on the Championship Manager for those who are of a certain age. A good utility player. Um, he's there, but don't he's obviously they signed a lot of players from Sweden, haven't they? And they've lost a few, like Vecchia has gone to Malmo. But uh, all in all, you think that they're in for a sort of fourth place season? Do, do you think they can make just briefly? You know, we're running out of time in terms of the top six, but do you, do you think they can make any any real impact on um, Europe at all? Do you think they can sort of do anything this season? To do you think they'll even be close to challenging? Is there any? Is there a top player for them to cling on to? Give Rosenborg fans some hope. Good. The hope is if, if they can start the first half of the season competitive, then I expect them to get better as um, the, the year goes on. I think by the time the qualifiers come, 
in in the summer. They, they'll have a, a good chance of making a group stage, perhaps if they're in more of their rhythm. They're going to be another team in like a three-five-two formation or three-four-three, um, similar to Lillestrøm as well and Mulder. But and they've got some, you know, they they do have some decent players as well that are a bit older, like Marcus Henriksen. I, I like him, defender or defensive midfielder. And yeah, there's there's. I've got to talk about this injury thing before we move on, though, Jonathan, because this is a theme now. They've already got three or four players out until mid-May, including Ole Christian Saiter, who linked up so well with Tankstead last season up front. This is a continual theme now, and too many players of so many different ages keep going down. For me, that's that's got to be something to do with their training facilities or the physio staff. Something's, do you remember that time when Newcastle United just kept getting injuries all the time? And it ended up being revealed it was something to do with their surface of their training ground. Something's going wrong here. Um, it happens at certain clubs where this injuries pile up. They have got to get on top of this because it will cost them continually else. So that that's a big concern. Overall, I see them fourth. I think they could be as high as third. No higher than that, though. Um, and, you know, if things really go wrong and seems like Bran and, and Volleringa do well, they could be down as low as sixth. So let's just see with Rosenborg. But... Um, I think there's, there's going to be good and bad things. They'll start a bit slow, though. I think that's the problem. Yeah. <clears throat> so, it's, you know, up and down, but it looks like you think they will gradually improve, but not enough to challenge the big boys. Uh, one name for your fantasy team before we move on. Yeah, I think it's going Keep to it be uh, Crystal Marnie Ingasson. I think I like him. I think he he's only seven and a half million up front and he looks sharp in pre-season. Good stuff. What, what position do you have interest? Forward attacker, lots of forwards to select from. Before we take a short break, we've got the final team to wrap up the top five, and then we'll have a little break and come back for six and below. Uh, there's some big clubs still not been mentioned yet, Steve. So, before we take that break, who is that final team rounding off your top five in Elite Serie in this season? Take it away, yeah. I think this is going to surprise a few people because, um. I'm I'm going to go with with Volerenga in fifth place. Now, there's not going to be many predictions that have Volerenga as high as this. Uh, there's not going to be many predicting Volerenga as high uh, higher than Brand, for example. But um, I look at them, and and they are a tough team to predict. They are a tough team to predict. Um, there were there were good and bad things about them last year. But I look at their squad on paper. I look at the manager they've got. It's an experienced manager in Dargo, like Fagomo. They've got enough. They've definitely got enough about them that they should be comfortably in the top six. They really should. There's maybe the squad's a little bit underrated actually in terms of its ability across the field, but they're always going to have quite a solid defence under for Germo. They've got a midfield which has got a couple of really exciting players, and the attack will depend on whether uh, a couple of new signings can come off. But overall, I think their balance is not too bad. There's a lot of experience. No one's really talking about them, which is probably a good thing. So I think they can actually be a pleasant surprise and, and come up to fifth, Jonathan. The the big departure from them is, of course, a player we talked about a lot, isn't it? Haven't we in this podcast in the past? Osam Sarawi. He's gone to Hirinveen for 1.7 million euros, 21-year-old. He's a talented wide player, isn't he, forward? Um, do you think he'll be missed? And who are the players that could maybe come in? Who are you looking to this season to make a real impact for them? Um, because last season, you know, they, they were okay. But who are you looking to make a big impact? I am looking for Mohamed Ofkir to make a big impact. Coming from Sanderfjord for half a million pounds, and he had a fantastic year at Sanderfjord. Um, 
previously. I mean, to, to, to achieve the metrics and, and the stats of goals and assists that he did at that club, such a struggling team, fair play to him. And now he's moving into a, a, a far better squad overall. Um, um, Sarri was a very unique player and sometimes just completely ran the show. But I think at times he, I'm not saying he went missing, but he probably didn't have the impact that maybe Volaringa would have wanted. I know fantasy owners of Sarri were often frustrated down the years that he didn't get the output he wanted. So... In terms of actual raw goals and assists, he probably can be replaced. It's just his overall influence on the game was was quite significant. Um, but I think Ofkir can do well. They've got an interesting player on loan from Palmeiras in Brazil, under 20. Vitinho, not seen much of him. Maybe he could be useful. Daniel Hawkins comes from year for 400,000. Um, former SJK player in Finland. Two very quick transfers for him in succession. Uh, interesting inverted winger. I feel he might kick on this year, actually. Um, quite well. And they've got exciting talents like Jacob Dicko-Eng, 18-year-old attacker, I think could break through this year. Odin Thiago Holm, we've talked about him before. Now he's fully fit heading into this year, 20-year-old, really top midfield talent. Um, and then you've got a defence which is experienced as well. And they've brought in, they've reinforced there as well, on loan from Bromby, former Viking defender Henrik Hegheim, who is, is highly rated. So, I think across the board, they're looking all right, really. I think there is a bit of a doubt. Again, they're another team I would like to see them maybe with a forward-thinking, more modern manager. But for Germo, you can't argue about him. Last season, I said he should have been sacked halfway through. Eventually turned it round really well, and they finished sixth. Did have a poor finish to the season. But um, I think Volarenga, the feeling doesn't seem to be great around them. No one's really talking too much, expecting that much of Volarenga. But they've... Uh, I just say, just look on paper sometimes. You ever just think about a team and the initial gut feeling is, oh, they're not going to be that good. Then you actually look at the, the quality available to them and you're thinking, well, they good by by default, they, they've got to be in the top six. So that's the way I see it. And um, I like their depth. We're going to talk about Bran soon um, again, but I, I really think they've got the extra depth and um, young, better younger players coming through uh, yeah. the Bran overall. That's why I'm going to, uh, predicting them to finish up a brand. Yeah, five-time <clears throat> elite Assyrian winners, but they've not won the league since 2005, which is, is for you know for a big club like Holarenga, that's that's pretty massive actually. They're uh, you know they're they're a big club. Uh, they're based in Oslo. And by the way, if anyone from Holarenga is listening, we still are owed two tickets from your uh, Twitter account, which I have not forgot by the way. And I, we will I will be claiming them this season. So uh, ticket office at Holarenga, you, you've You've definitely got an email from an Nordic football podcast coming. We, uh, I can't remember why that came about, but they, yeah, basically they offered us two tickets and we said yes, but we never. Uh, they offered us tickets for like that weekend, wasn't it? And um, we, <laughs> yeah. Couldn't, yeah, we couldn't get out of Norway in, uh, on a day's notice or whatever. But uh, I think we're still going to claim them. So that will round off your your top five. So I'll just read it back before we take a short break. Uh, fifth place, you've got Wallerenga. Fourth place, you've got Rosenborg. Third place, Lillestrøm. What do you think about that, listeners? Give us a, a message at Nordic Football on Twitter or on the YouTube ch- uh, comments. Let us know. Second place, Buda Glimps. You think it'll be very close, but you've got Champions Molder. Uh, so that rounds it off. Coming up in part two, we've got another bunch of teams to cover. We've got mid-table and also who's going to be challenging uh, at the bottom of the league, who might be going down this year. Uh, and there's one or two predictions that Meatman Soccer has, has. I've seen the table here and it's um, you don't want to miss part two. So... Take a little break, get yourself a cup of tea or something and uh, come back for part two shortly.
Welcome to part two of the Nordic Football Podcast, Elitisarian Season Preview 2023. Meet Man Soccer has had a glass of water. He's uh, he's ready to go for this second part of the show. Before we get back into sixth place, of course, who drum roll, who's going to get that? But um, we're going to talk about fantasy a little bit, Steve. You, you're going to give us the code uh, for the league this year. So anyone who's been listening and is you know jotting down notes in terms of who to have for their fantasy team, uh, now is the time to join the league. The Nordic Football Podcast League, the prestigious league. Steve, give us the details of this. Yeah, do join um, Elite Serian Fantasy. There's an English website version for those who want that. It's become a really, really popular, probably the most popular of all the uh, fantasy summer leagues. Same system as Fantasy Premier League. And do join the league. This is a code to join. I'm sure this will be on a tweet as well somewhere. But lowercase, this is the code to join the Nordic Football League. GB1QPS. So do join that league. Everyone's welcome. And yeah, this is a fantasy. I've been poor. The last two years, I've been really poor in Elitisarian fantasy. I've got to improve that. My eyes have perhaps been elsewhere in different fantasy departments. I've um, obviously, you know, our Svenskin, I've, I've proven myself. I'm involved in a real brutal battle with um, Fantasy Premier League at the minute with someone. So, yeah, my eye, again, might be a bit away from Elitisarian fantasy, but I need Proof, to Proving yourself. I don't know, but I'm not sure about that. <laughs> <laughs> you've, had a good, you've had a good year or so. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, uh, yeah. Yeah, Elitisarian fantasy. I mean, we get, we get hundreds of people joining that league, haven't we? We had well, yeah. well over 100. Um, so get involved, you know, who's going to take the league this year? Uh, yeah. It's always really competitive, the Elite Serian League. And like you say, the, the benefit of these leagues is summer league. So yeah. when the Premier League ends in about a month's time, you can keep going through the summer. Um, so that is the, the league. Have you got the code? Do you want to just repeat it one more time? Or? Yeah, the code again is GB1QPS. So get involved, get your team in. You've got to obviously the, the first round of games, which is um, starts Monday, isn't it, Steve? And uh, Sixth place in the league. I mean, I was just looking at a stat here that really astounded me, to be honest, uh, especially for those who maybe follow the Premier League, which is the complete polar opposite. Not a single manager I'm looking at was was sacked mid-season in the Leeds Serien. I'm right in saying that, Steve. Last you season, are absolutely too. correct. Not a single manager lost their job last year. Even the two teams that got relegated, Christiansen and Yerv, kept their, their managers. Uh, I have to be honest, I think there was only twice that I... Personally, would have sacked a manager if I was in charge of the clubs. One of them was for Germo. Um, it just didn't look like he could last any longer there. But fair play to him. He absolutely turned it around. So he proved me wrong. And I personally would have got rid of Stefan Bilborn as well at Sarpsborg after they lost eight games in a row. But again, another manager proved me wrong because they finished 10 unbeaten. So it just shows maybe a bit of patience um, can, can go a long way in football. Um, I'd be amazed if everyone kept their jobs this year. But, um, yeah, fair play. Fair play indeed. And now it's time for sixth place, Stephen. It's a, a welcome return for a certain very popular team in Norway. Who have you got there? Yeah, and this might be lower than quite a lot of people are expecting, but I am going with Bran in sixth place. Relegated in 2021. Disappointing relegation, a shock relegation, I suppose you could say. Uh, but they bounced back. First time of asking. They were nearly the Invincibles last year in Obos, but a record-breaking campaign for them in 2022. They won an unbelievable 26 out of 30 games in the Obos again. One defeat, which came 
uh, with four games to go. That was against Mjern Dahlen, who have always typically been the uh, bet noir of Brand down the years. They don't need to worry about them now because Mjern Dahlen is still in Obos. But yeah, 81 points, 95 goals scored, 16 conceded. Outrageous statistics for Brand. Um, and, you know, everyone's, I've seen people predicting them as high as third. I've seen even some suggest that they might get involved in the title race, such as their momentum and everything. Um, but let's not forget they are still a newly promoted team only. Not a lot has changed within the squad, which might be a good thing. Um, and I still think predicting them in the top six in sixth place here would be a very good season for Bran. So I don't actually think... Yeah, I was maybe tempted to put them a couple of notches up, but um, I do have a couple of doubts about them, which I will go on about. But um, it is good to see them back in the league. They are one of the biggest clubs in, in the country. And um, obviously, it's actually nice to see a good feeling around Bran as well, because... It's a horrible place when the negativity is there, but uh, now there's a bit more expectation and belief and a good feeling. Then, hopefully, that the, the, the decent football can flow in Bergen. Yeah, and just talk about their their following because they they are well supported. I think you described them as the Liverpool of Norway once, didn't you? I think mm. that was what you called them. Which, um, well, I mean, in terms of fan base, yeah, you, you know, you, you were basically saying that they're very well supported, and, and we have had a lot of questions about them. Just just talk about their sort of uh, fall and rise and fall over the last sort of uh, 18 months, two years, because that season where they went down was catastrophic, wasn't it, really? Um, and then last season, it seems like they turned everything around and absolutely destroyed the league. Yeah. What what's actually happened for those who maybe might not be aware of, of Bran? And, you know, what, what, where are we at the moment? Temperature check. Well, Bran are a team that won the league in 2007. They're one of the few teams this century to have won an elite Assyrian crown. So, you know, you've got to give them credit for that. And the mad thing is, this has happened before. They, they they had a shock relegation in 2014. No one ever saw this coming. I think they lost in the playoff to Mjern Dahlen, the start of their sort of rivalry with them. Came back at the first time of asking. And I don't think anyone expected that would ever happen again. They're just too good to go down, too big to go down. Without, I mean, you know, you, you do see clubs go down often because like bad finances and things like that. It's not a case of that. I just think it was a general malaise that came in. Um, you know, Lars Allen Nielsen got them, I think, to second and third place in um, in the league 2016-2018. And then they just sort of slumped to mid-table. And then last year, it, it just didn't work out for them. Um, for, uh, sorry, 2021, um, 14th place. Um, they got relegated via the playoff. Eric Hornland came in and did a fairly decent job in the last sort of 10 games, but the damage was done. So, a shock relegation, but... Don't anyone ever doubted they would come back. It's almost a wasted year, but maybe it's not a wasted year if they can sort of uh, build on this incredible 81 points that they've got. I always said last season that the squad that they had in Obos would be mid-table in Elite Serian. So that is actually going to be... Uh, let's just see how true that is because it's they've not really, of all the teams, they've not added many and they've not lost many. So it's it's near enough the same squad as it was in Obos. So that 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 can be a good thing, that can be a bad thing, Jonathan. But we'll soon find out just exactly how good this brand team is going to be. Yeah, and they're from from Bergen, which is the second largest city in Norway. So that obviously you know has a bit of a background in terms of perhaps their fan base. I mean, last season you're looking at the league table here, Steve. It's nearly it's you know it's an absolute it's almost a perfect game. It's almost a perfect bowling alley, isn't it? Thirty games, twenty six wins, three draws, one defeat. 
95 goals scored, 16 conceded. I mean, you, you know, seasons go, you don't you don't really get much better than that. The only team to beat them, I think, was Mjolnir. Am I right in saying? Mm-hmm. Exactly that, yeah. And I think that was when the title was pretty much wrapped. Um, so, yeah, yeah, you're thinking they're going to literally just climb high. They're not even going to need time to adapt. Uh, well, what gives you that confidence and who who are going to be the key men behind that sort of uh, season? Is it is it continuity or is it they've dipped into the market and signed some, some valuable players? They have signed a couple of good players. I'll say that. Smart players. Um, but yeah, like I said, I think this squad last season was was mid-table ability in Elite Serian. They've got unbelievable momentum. Like in pre-season, they're just they're tearing apart teams in friendlies. I know they're only friendlies, but they've they've had two Norwegian Cup wins already. Three nil against Sandefjord, three one against Hargerson. They could have scored more goals in those. They're in the semi-final against Starbeck. They could win the Norwegian. They're two two wins away from winning the Norwegian Cup. So and getting into Europe. So I mean, they're just absolutely flying um, at the moment. And don't underestimate that. We see that with with teams getting promoted, don't we? Sometimes, Jonathan. Um, but um, yeah, they're just talk about some key players that they're going to have. Board Finner, everyone's talking about him. Everyone's getting him in the fantasy team. He scored 16 goals last year. Only actually, he only actually made 13 starts. He came off the bench a lot and scored goals. Hegebo, uh, a younger player, is another option up front, but I think he's just going to be the first bench option. Matthias Rasmussen, Hornelands converted him from a left winger into an attacking midfielder, scored 15 goals and eight assists. Let's see how he goes at the top level in that position. Defensively, I'm a little bit concerned, uh, perhaps, actually. Um, Ruben Christensen's now been converted to a centre-back. I mean, he's 35 years old. The last time he was in Elite Serie, he got ripped apart. He generally did, but that was at left-back. So maybe things are going to be better for him at centre-back. They're going to play in a 4-3-3 or 4-2-3-1 system. I do like the signing of Jaffet Seri Larson from Buda Glimt. They brought him back to the club for £400,000. I think he's a good a quality centre back who would go well for them. And Torrey Pedersen is a useful, versatile player uh, brought in from Hargerson on a free. But not too many, too much else has been added. Uh, Ulrich Madison from Lillestrom. That's pretty much it, really. Um, obviously, they've got the enigma of Nicholas Castro, who we've talked about on this show before. He's almost, he was used to be sort of like the Mitrovic of Norway, too good for. The, the, the championship, but not good enough for the Premier League. Is this the year that he does a Mitrovic and sort of announces himself? Yeah, I'm good enough at elite Serian level. 27 years old now. So I think they're going to be comfortably mid-table. The question is how high. I just look at it and I'm like, the depth. there's not much depth in this brand squad, by the way. That concerns me. If they get some injuries and they didn't get any major injuries last year, that is a big problem for them. So I think over the course of the season, I think they could not fizzle out, but I think Eventually, top-level football does catch up with you a bit. So they are, for me, going to have to reinforce in, in the summer transfer window to, to keep up hit, their momentum. Yeah, they might hit a wall is what you're sort of saying. Mm, I mean, yeah. final question before we move on with Brand. They've got a great fan base. You said the squad is on a high, got good momentum. Let's look at the manager. Where would you rank the manager in Elite Serian if you were ranking all the managers? <laughs> good question. Got me... Uh, the thing with Horniland, I think he's not too bad, actually. He, he was just the wrong fit for him at Rosenborg. Didn't suit him there. There's a reason he got that job in the first place, though, because he overachieved with Hargerson so well. So there's every reason now he can do well with with, with Bran. I think he's quite good sort of man management um, by the sounds of it. I think he's always had good relationships with his players in general. 
So I would rank him. I, I mean, I'll have to. I'll have to. We'll have to do a list one day, won't we? Where we rank our managers one to sixteen. Um, I couldn't really definitively do it now, but if off the top of my head, I've him sort of mid table, mid table in that sort of respect. But uh, just before we move on from Brand, obviously they're very popular with the fantasy at the moment with some of their players. They've got a nice start fixture wise as well. Um, you've got to be looking at Bordfinner. I know a lot of looking at Rasmussen, and you know, I guess defensively, you might consider Seri Larson at four and a half million, which just seemed quite a cheap price for um, a team that's promoted that might keep clean sheets. So, um, yeah, Bordfinner is obviously eight point five million strike. I think a lot of people are thinking about captaining him first game. They've got a nice fixture against Hargerson. Yeah, and I'm going to, I mean, you've already, you basically answered this question already, to be honest, but uh, thanks a lot to at Scooby Man, uh, who left, who was very loyal to the pod last season as well. He said, do you think Brand can be in the top three? Um, you answered that, of course, with your prediction here, but hopefully that answers your questions at Scooby Man. Uh, we've had a lot of questions in, by the way, uh, so really good uh, work from you, Steve, on the fat, on the uh, on the Twitter there. Um, at, Joe, at 12th Yank, Joe Gould, uh, another friend of the podcast, he said, how much of a promotion bounce will Brand have? They won the second division by Miles and have one of the best young players in Hegebo and Surrey Larson, who you've just talked about, uh, recently tied with FC Copenhagen in a friendly uh, dot, 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 top six, question mark. So he's answered, you've answered that there. Uh, so thanks a lot there uh, uh, to Joe. Uh, so, yeah, generally speaking, you can even see from just the Twitter that, that, that obviously uh, Bran are quite a popular side. But I just think, I just, think just, just before we move on, I, I just feel now we're almost in overhyped territory where I've seen a lot of people thinking, oh, they can get in the medals. They might even title challenge. I think that's just too far-fetched. It's too much to expect of this current squad. Now, if they did reinforce in the summer, fair play. But I think now we're at a position where, yeah, it's, it's maybe going a bit beyond what, what is capable of this squad. Let's not forget they just come from Obos. And, um, yeah, moving up to top division football is is difficult. But they, I do expect them to come out of the, the traps very quickly. I'm expecting a good season. And they are one of the clubs, actually, they need... They almost need a little bit of hype because it gets the fan base really ticking. You know what I mean? So it's good in a way, but don't want to get too too above themselves. A fan base that needs uh, hyping. Okay. Uh, I see the comparisons there in, in a certain way. Um, but let's move on. So your team who finished eighth last season is the team that you have next in your list. So seventh place this season, Steve. Uh, take it away. Going with Sarpsborg in, in seventh. And if you're after a team to support and as a neutral, you listen to this show for the first time, who might I like in Elite Serian, a club that maybe isn't expected to challenge? I think Sarpsborg at the moment are, are one of the most exciting teams. They used to be the most boring team. I used to dread talking about them on this show. Genuinely hated it. Um, but the manager that's coming, Stefan Bilborn, I did say I would have sacked him last year. But it wasn't. It's not because I don't rate him. I really like him. I just think he's uh, his system is so. The, the amount of goals that are going to be involved in Sarpsborg game is going to be really high. Both ends of the field. They they play one way. It's fairly gung ho. It's end to end, high press, high energy. Take a lot of risks as well. Um, so great team to watch Sarpsborg this year. And, and you know they've got a couple of exciting players. They've got injuries as well. Difficult team to predict in terms of league position. But really, I think I don't think they're going to be below the top ten. I think things are going badly wrong if they're below the top ten. Uh, we saw last year when this system works well, it's really difficult to contain. So, 
Yeah, they're, they're, they're a bit of an enigma club, actually, Sarpsborg, but they've got the they've still got a decent squad. Um, they've got players who might step up and they've signed two or three who interest me. So overall, I'm thinking seventh place for them, Jonathan, and a very, very good side to watch as a neutral. Yes, Billborn, former Hammerby man. I remember games uh, when he was in charge of Hammerby ending sort of 7-3, seven, seven, I think 7-4. He's, he's all out attack. Definitely, like you said there, um, expect goals maybe. I know we have a, a nice little betting community. Uh, last season, the Patreons, Steve, that we had, we had weekly predictions on uh, really good success rate, didn't we? It was a successful season for anyone who uh, joined our Patreon uh, in terms of getting predictions right. And we will be looking to sort of uh, have a have a variety of uh, different content on Patreon again. So patreon.com slash Nordic Football Podcast. But uh, yes, yeah, Sartsburg, a team that do tend to definitely be high on the goals count. Um, I mean, they, they have recruited from... Sweden in, in, in the likes of Simon Tibbling. Uh, he's come from Randers, hasn't he? And, and I know that obviously Jeppe Andersen's been gone there as well. Who would you say, like, if there was one, I know that you, we talk about signings, but if there was one player that you think is central to what they do, could be central to the defence, could be central to the midfield, could be a main striker, could even be a goalkeeper. Like, who would you sort of pinpoint, put your hat on? Because I remember at uh, Hammerby, um, sort of, Tankovic was the one that Billborn kind of just creative wise just put you know he hung his hat on Tankovic, Muama Tankovic. Is there is there like a similar player like that for Salzburg who's sort of that creative fulcrum that you know links everything together in the attack? Or who would you say is the one key man at Salzburg that you want to keep an eye? Or is it just a variety of of talent? I don't think there is one, and I think that's a, a strength of the squad. They don't. If you took one player out now. Um, then I don't think they're going to be too badly affected. But they might be looking for someone to pull those strings. I think it's got to come from midfield. I quite like the duo signing, Yeppi Anderson from Hammerby. I mean, he was a, a regular starter for them last season and a good team. I think that's a good signing. Ramon Pascal Lundqvist from Groningen, £150,000 signing midfielder. Several Eredivisie appearances in his career. That's a good level of football compared to Elita Serien. I think... I think those two signings are good. I like uh, Tibling. I think he can step up this year. We, I like. I always like Mikel Mygaard. I think he's an excellent player. Unfortunately, Serge Junior Martinson and Guali is has broken his leg, so he's out several months. Um, it's a shame for them. Uh, Victor Torps wants to watch out. Can play anywhere in midfield or attack. So they've got options, and but they lost players as well. Salah Tross went to Stamalev de Caen. Tobias Heinz uh, went back to Hecken after a loan. I think he's moved somewhere else now. I forget where. He had uh, a great season for them last year. So they're going to have to replace him. Hagelskar went back on loan. He's now at Mulder. So, and, and they're, they're another team, unfortunately, that have injuries. Just one of those, a bit like um, Rosenborg, actually. They just, they've just they got some really long-term problems here. Magnar Odegaard, torn pectoral mus- muscle three or four months out. Mygaard himself has had injury issues. A new signing from Kongsvinja. Martin Hall Anderson, who there was a lot of um, optimism about him. He's now injured for the entire spring, supposedly. I think it's a some sort of foot or ankle problem. But he he would have been interesting to watch because he had some good goal scoring numbers in in the Obos at Kongsvinia. So um, yeah, it's a shame. But you've got a big squad, uh, a really interesting guy named Christopher Bonsu Bar is going to be on the wings. I think he could be one one to keep an eye on and. Um, yeah, it's going to be exciting football. They've got goals in them. So, um, yeah, good team. 
Good team is the verdict, and seventh place is the prediction from Meet Van Soccer for Salzburg, and as, as he's called it, if you don't have a team to support this season, maybe you might want to consider them. So uh, do tweet us at Nordic Football if you are new and sort of considering supporting a team. Let us know who you might be picking. Will you go with Meet Van Selection there or anyone else caught your eye? In eighth place, Steve, you've gone for, I'm just going to name it if you don't mind. Mm-hmm. You've gone for Viking. And uh, what caught my eye in this prediction is that last season you had them predicted the fourth. And now you've got them eighth mid-table. So it's so a bit of a downgrade, Steve. What, what is the rationale behind having Viking um, where, the, where you've got them? compared to last season? I think that, that maybe the hardest team to predict because, yeah, I don't know which version of them we're going to get because the last two seasons, they, um, of course, have been uh, under a dual managerial control. And the names of those managers are Beata Lunder-Arsheim and Morten Jensen. Had a very good 2021, but 22 wasn't so good. And really, if it wasn't for uh, a good run in Europe where they very nearly qualified for the conference league, then I think they would be in trouble because league wise, I mean, you look at the results they had back end of last season, Jonathan, it's horrendous. Um, I'm not sure the exact stats, but I think it's like one or two wins in 15 games, which is simply not good enough. It's relegation form basically. So I think they've, in a way they've done well to keep their jobs. I think it would, wouldn't have been a bad time for the club to, to move on from this dual managerial thing and get someone one man in on a permanent. So that said, they will argue, you know, they've had one good season, so they do have credit in the bank. I think this is now the acid test because on paper, I think there's enough weapons here for this team to challenge in the top six, actually, if if, if they're managed correctly and if they stay injury-free. They're another team that tends to pick up quite a few injuries. Um, but it's a little bit haphazard as well. The squad seems a little bit of a mess at times. I don't think off the field they run as well as they can. They they absolutely didn't get recruitment right in or out last year. Left themselves far too short-handed. Things are a little bit better now, uh, but difficult to predict. Vic, and I think they're going to be a bit wild as well um, at both ends of the field. Mm. They could they could be top six, but they could equally if they got sucked into a shock relegate shock relegation battle. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, 11th uh, last season, nine wins out of 30. Obviously, eight draws, 13 defeats, uh, goals 48, conceded 54. So the sort of uh, middling really season really, wasn't it? I mean, they, they were well clear of relegation in the end. 11 points clear, but, um, you know, not 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 the season maybe that some thought they might have. Uh, just on them, before we move on, if you were to name sort of one fancy player to consider, maybe, maybe a cheap option. Uh, is there any names that stick out for you? from a fantasy point of view for Viking because they're, they're quite a big club mm. I don't like them the players in fantasy I think they're overpriced a bit I mean Salverson is coming from Buda Glimp he's he's priced at 9 million I think that's because he was in the game at Glimp when it first came out so I think if he started at Viking he'd probably be maybe 7.5 or 8 million um, I mean that in itself is an interesting situation because they brought in Nick D'Agostino from one of the A-League clubs in Australia he was meant to be the main striker too much clamour from the fans, from the media, saying they've not got enough up front option-wise. So they brought in Salvas and, and already Degasino's like, I'm going to fight for my place in the team. I'm going to be the number one striker. But Salverson has looked much better since he's come in. But they're, they're playing 4-3-3. So only one of these players can start. So there might be a little... That's an interesting little battle to watch out for. They paid 700000 for Nick D'Agostino. So they can't just let him rot on the bench, can they? Can they maybe get a system where they get both these strikers in? Um, 
they've got a, they've got a few Aussies actually. Patrick Yazbek's coming from Sydney FC, half a million. Gianni Stensnes is another Aussie um, who I rate him actually, really good defender, um, but another injury problem where he does go down, missed half of last season. A lot of players who come in, in and out of the team. There's, there is some young talent to, to keep an eye on as well. Possibly Edwin Ospo could have a breakout year. Um, maybe Tangan can come good. But yeah, a tough side, mate, to predict this one with Viking. Um, it could end anything. It would not surprise me if at some point this this managerial duo got the sack. There you go. The the team from uh, Stavanger, which is the fourth biggest uh, city in uh, in Norway, and according to Wikipedia, Steve, it is uh, it is the it has the warmest climate, apparently. Well, yeah, it's, it's in the southwest of the, of the country. Yeah. In, in in uh, Norway, so maybe that explains the sort of the attraction potentially for for um for people from uh, for, for some of the Australian players there. It's not as, maybe not as cold as the rest of Norway uh, <laughs> to a certain extent, but who knows? Uh, also, it was named the capital European capital of culture in two thousand and eight alongside Liverpool. So uh, there you go, a few facts about uh, about Stavanger there. But yeah, Viking, you have got down in eighth place. Let's move north. We're moving down the table, but up north for your next prediction uh, in ninth place, Stephen. Yeah, I'm going with Tromso in ninth place. And this is maybe a little bit higher than the general consensus out there. I think I've seen most predict them sort of 11th, 12th region. And I might be a little bit high on them, but do you know what? I was too low on them last year. Did I predict them something like 14th or 13th last year? Um, and they completely... I got them wrong. Uh, certainly, second half of the season, they did really well. And um, yeah, I'm not you gonna... had them 14th in the relegation playoff. Mm, yeah, it was too low. That was, I was poor on my behalf. I underestimated them. And I tell you what, I underestimated the most <clears throat> was the the uh, really good coaching here from Gauta Hellstrup, who you know, I thought they were going to get second season syndrome last year, and it didn't happen. And I think a lot of it is because of him. I really like how he sets up the system uh, in a three, sort of three four two one or three five two occasionally. I mean, in terms of the numbers, they had the third best expected goals against in in the entire Elite Serie. Their xGA of one point four two is only slightly worse than Molder at one point four one. So in metrics, they're as good as the champions defensively, which is incredible. And the previous season as well, I think they had the second best xGA. So this system that he has in place in terms of metrics should be probably performing better than it has been. They do have a tendency to concede goals, though, and I think it's because they do give up like one or two big chances in a game. It's the way the system can just suddenly break down and fold and and, and give away these big chances, but not many of them. So I like that. Um, they're, they're, they're obviously based in the Arctic Circle, the most northerly professional football team in the world, Trump. So... And I think they're also driven by motivation. Buda Glimt, obviously, their bitter rivals up there have done so well. I don't think Trump so want to be... Um, they, they want a piece of the action as well. They, they, they're really, really fired up and motivated. So they're a club to watch out for. I think there'll be more low-scoring games with Trump, though. I think we, we can expect that. Um, but uh, overall, I think they can have a solid enough campaign. And that, yeah, I remember your prediction in Alsvensk and Varnamo. Don't underestimate the power of good coaching, and Tromso applies. Yeah, where would you where would you rate? You know, we talked about managers earlier. Where would you actually rate this uh, this management 
uh, team in, in terms of a league. Sterling Gal- Galter Hellstrup, he's mm. uh, he's been there, you know, since 2020 now. He played he played for the club as well. Where where would you rate him? Because you know, there's a, one or two sort of um, outside of outside of Knutson. You know, are there any young upcoming managers maybe that you think could be the next Knutson? And you know, is this potentially one of them? Yeah, I, I think he's got to be in the top five managers. I think he's done really well since he's come in here. Um, took them up, and then you know kept them up, and then then avoided that second season syndrome. And often at Tromsø, you're doing it with limited resources. There's, they're still, and they're still lacking. They're still searching for a really top class number nine. They just never had one since we've been doing this Nordic football podcast, and that is definitely the issue. Probably just hanging your hat on a striker, but they have brought in five new players in that part of the field. So maybe one of them can become a hit. Maybe Hilmer Raffen Raffen uh, Mikkels, Mikkelsen, an Icelandic guy on loan from Venezia. Jacob Napoleon Romses, great name, isn't it? From Sheed. Uh, he's injured at the minute, but he he's one to watch out for. Eight, 19 and 18-year-olds there. So they might come good for them. Um, but yeah, I think Hellstrup is is obviously very good tactically. We know that in terms of the results and the metrics. And he, he's um, he's got a reputation for developing players as well. So when you've got that sort of um, managerial setup in place, then you're gonna you're usually gonna overachieve yeah and i always uh i always think i think i can't remember who we had on the show once who talked about sort of getting boats and having to get like three different boats and then a ferry and then a then a coach and then a plane to get to Tromsø. i mean it's, it's that far uh in terms of its location it's a tough place to go maybe i mean you know wet and windy night in stoke i think i think wet and cold night in the most northern part of norway um in the middle of the Arctic Circle or whatever, it can't be can't be too easy, can it, Steve? Um, but you've got them to finish, um, as you say, they're in in ninth place, which the, the fans would probably take, wouldn't they? So yeah, I think they that's, would. Uh, yeah, that's... I think they would. You mentioned the home record; they only lost twice at home last season, and Molder were one of those teams that beat them there. So it's a really tough place to go. And sometimes I don't think it actually has suited them. The weather they get up there, snow sometimes, certainly into the back end of the season, sometimes at the start of the season. Uh, they've actually named, renamed their stadium um, from Alfheim Stadium to the Romsa Arena. Now, this is this is a recent story that's been coming out, and um, it's to do with like um, the native uh, name language up there. Obviously, it's very close to the Finnish border, Lapland sort of area. Uh, in the Arctic Circle, I'm not. An, I mean, I'm not an expert in this part of the world, Jonathan. I'd love to go up there one day, see the Northern Lights. But it sounds like this rename of the stadium is um, very much. Um, it's been applauded. It's come across well, and I, I think Tromsø's time might come at some point in the next few years. I, I hope. I hope they do well. Maybe they could. You know, they 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 were lucky in the Norwegian Cup quarter final against Lillestrøm. It would have been really interesting. If they got through that, they would have been booed a glimpse against Tromsø in a semi-final, which would have been incredibly tasty, wouldn't it? Um, I've I've always got a soft spot for for teams in right in the north of Norway, and um, yeah, I hope they have a good year. I think they can have a solid year, and I think they can surprise people with how solid they're going to be defensively. The North shall rise again, as a certain famous uh, TV series once said. Although technically speaking, I suppose the North has. Been on top for the last few years, apart from the season just gone. But different north, uh, two rivals up there, Budigland and Tromsø. But ninth place, which is a season that Tromsø fans may be happy with. I think it's to do with the, 
yeah, I think that was really well received, wasn't it, from um, the fans that renamed the stadium. Maybe we'll talk about that in a little bit more detail in weeks to come because that, that was a really sort of feel-good story that got a lot of uh, it did. traction on Twitter as well, I saw. Uh, in 10th place, Steve, you've got a team that are kind of fairly close to my heart over the past few seasons. I've liked some of the, the way they've done things. Um, there's two teams maybe that will probably, probably be on my list, but this is one of them, uh, so take it away. Well, the other team went down, didn't they? <laughs> uh, Christensen. But um, yeah, yeah. This is a I've got odd, odd BK in in tenth place, and another tough team to predict. To be honest, this is one of those I uh, wish I could have like a skip button and move to next team, Jonathan, because um, I always struggle talking about them. I I don't know why I can just never get a feel for this club, this team too much. They did have a good, um, a very good season last year, though. Of course, in, in fifth place, bloody hell, just. Like, <laughs> back at, look back at the table. They finished fifth last year. Like, how did that happen? Um, <laughs> they've got a neg- negative goal difference as well, and they finished fifth. I, I can't see them re- replicating that, and I think the only way is down this year. It's a question of how far down. Um, fair play to the manager, Paco Johansson, obviously did very well. But there was a point during the season we were talking about them as potential relegation candidates because... Yeah, they were a bit like Sarpsborg, actually. They were they were lurking above a danger with, say, a dozen games to go, and then they had a really good last third of the campaign. So, tricky side. I think they were one of the teams that did overachieve their metrics at both ends of the field in terms of goals expected, um, goals and uh, goals against, um, certainly defensively. Anyway, yeah, 1.79 XGA. And it was only 1.5 conceded. So I think that's something to watch out for. And a big reason for that, though, is the goalkeeper, Leopold Wallstedt, who's the best player in the squad for me. One of the best keepers in the league. Uh, They've done incredibly well to keep him. He's got one year left on his contract. I can see what he's trying to do. He just wants probably to see it out. And then he's got his free reign of options, hasn't he, at the end of the season. Um, He's not going to lack for potential um, attractions. But with him in 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 between the sticks... He will produce saves that you're like, bloody hell, how on earth did he keep that out? And and that's the sort of goalkeeper he is. He's definitely the the one, uh, the key man in, in this squad for me. The rest of it, there's, uh, you know, there's the sprinklings, isn't there? You've got 39-year-old Espen Rudy still going on strong. I mean, his legs are going to give way at some point, aren't they? Um, but he's still good from set-piece situations. The squad is a bit thin in, on the ground. I do sometimes worry where the goals are going to come from. They're going to hope that Oli Eric Mitskogan comes good for them, signing from, I think, Tier 3, Chelsea's the side. Scored a lot of goals at that level, £100,000. Can he do that at Elite Assyrian level? Not sure. Yeah, midfield's got Philip Jorgensen, who I think is going to get a big move away from the club eventually, maybe this summer. Um, difficult side. I mean, one week they, they're sort of side. One week they can be anything. The next week they're sort of the opposite. So, I've put them in tenth place. What's their ceiling? Probably seventh. What's their cellar? Relegation. Yeah, it's hard to predict. Potentially, maybe you had them last season uh, in eighth, actually, and they, you know, they did okay. They came fifth. I mean, for you, Steve is. Leopold Valstead, the biggest differential in in the league, in the sense of if he was to be injured for a period, could that be the biggest difference maker compared to any other team in the league losing a, a key player, in your opinion? And also, do you think he'll see out his contract or do you think someone's actually going to come in for him and pay a bit of money? Odd might just sell him, take a bit of money in the summer. I, have to say, I think it's strange that he rejected a move 
to Buda Glimp because I think that would have been a really good move for him at this point in his career. But he did say he fancies a move to sort of mainstream Europe. Quite when that happens, let's see. I mean, it's not the worst time to move, is it, in the mid-season um, of Norway? Um, so he could move on. But yeah, look, those metrics of overachievement in terms of expected goals against, I think he's the main reason why. And if he did go down, they're relying on someone called Pedar Nigard Clausen. I mean, who's he? Um, no, no offense, but I don't think I've ever seen him play. Twenty-year-old. Uh, might try and get him on the show, and <laughs> maybe he's like, quite good. He might be like who's Steve Wiss. He'll be like who's Steve Wiss. We've all been there, though, haven't we? We look at who the backup goalkeeper is, and it's often a youngster um, sometimes, and 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 sometimes they're terrible, and sometimes they're actually quite good. But I don't. I, I, if he suddenly had to start games regularly, I'm. I think you're right. I mean, we couldn't. He, you certainly couldn't expect him to be as good as Valstead, could you? So that yeah, it would be a massive downgrade for them. So um, yeah, but Johansson's a good manager. He came in with a good reputation. He did well at times, but there were other t- periods last season where they just looked terrible. So it's like, what version of odd BK is going to show up? And they lost in the Norwegian Cup quarterfinal. Uh, sorry, um, the last sixteen, I think it was to Sandefjord. I think it's like four nil. They were four nil down at half time. I mean, that's a. That, I know that was a month ago now, but that's a concern for me. Things like that. So, yeah, if things start to go pear shaped, they could end up getting sucked into a, a battle at the bottom. It's a such. It's one of those years where I don't think, you know, any ten teams might not be safe. It's, it's such yeah, a competitive it's, uh, league yeah. this year, as we'll talk about. But uh, yeah, oh, they're a difficult side. Um, there's still some good youngsters to look out for. I can never get a good grip on this club and this team. I've got to be honest. Yeah, though. you've got. You've done. I mean, in terms of you said you could barely speak about them. You've you've, you've given it a good effort there. I think. That's mm. like, Fair, fair play to you. I think um, sometimes teams like that have a good, really good year, and then it's a bit of a down year, isn't it? They'll, they'll probably take, they might even take tenth. Uh, who knows? But I think we're going to move on to the relegation battle now. And there's six teams we can, you know, maybe not bunch together necessarily, but yeah, it seems like you sort of predicting a pre- similar to the Premier League at the moment. You kind of, um, you know, you're predicting a squeaky bum time in the league in relegation. Is you know, you think there's going to be a bunch of teams that could potentially go down. Uh, let's start with where you think. I mean, do you want to start with the teams that go down, or do you want to start eleventh uh, place? I think let's we'll start. We'll, we'll go downwards on yeah. on this particular thing. But I, you're totally right what you say there, Jonathan. I think you know what the Premier League's like at the minute. We might get something very similar in Norway because in the past there's always been obvious candidates to finish bottom or in the bottom two. It's not always happened. Look at Ranheim, for example, that year. I think they finished fifth or sixth. Obviously, they went down the year after. But I look at the teams on paper. There's not an obvious team that I'm going to say, oh, they're going to be rock bottom. It just, it, nothing stands out to me. Now, of course, there will, there's always, there will be a team that gets cast adrift eventually. It's just the way football is. But it might be a team we don't expect, like Christiansen last year, for example. But the way I see it, I think it's one of the hardest, most competitive years in Elite Serian. And, you know, and every league has this, Jonathan, where, they certain teams sort of just stay afloat. Uh, they tread water, uh, you know what I mean? And they always do enough to survive fairly comfortably because there's always two or three worse. This is not a season to have one of them sort of down years where you're un- below par because you will go down. It's as simple as that. And so, yeah, it's one of those where you can make a case for maybe six to eight teams to potentially get sucked in and go down um, in this relegation battle. 
Yeah, I think any any team mentioned from now to the end of this show, maybe you're on red, red alert, basically. Danger, danger, uh, high voltage. So let's, uh, you can obviously deduct who, uh, who who's left. Uh, so let's go one by one, Steve, towards the trapdoor. Uh, and you're going to start with, who are you starting with? It's a team that begins with S. Yeah. Um, There's three of them. So. Yeah, this is this is like the, the this is like the basement jack section. Red alert, remember that song? Yeah. <laughs> it's the countdown now, you know what I mean? To the... It certainly is. Um we're going with um we're going with Starbeck in eleventh place, Jonathan. Uh newly promoted side. And uh, this if you'd asked me this sort of in December, I probably would have had them to go down straight again. But I actually really like um the business they've done. We've actually got an interview coming up as well on the Nordic Football Podcast with uh, one of the assistant managers at the club. So I had a good chat with him. And, um, you know, of course, he, he's going to make it sound like things are going well. But genuinely, you could feel that things are going in the right direction with Starbeck. Let's talk about the the one negative for them. They've lost a player called Gift Emmanuel Orban, who um, is absolutely firing goals in for fun for Ghent in Belgium right now, isn't he? He's uh, this Nigerian wonder kid, the next Victor Osiman. Um, 16 goals for him last season, seven assists in uh, 19 appearances so that's a big loss no doubt about it obviously you can see why he tore up the obostle again but they've, they've replaced him really well i think with uh, mushaga bakenga who you know we've talked about him on this podcast before he's had a stint in asia he didn't work out but he's a proven scorer at this level casper warts ho on loan from arborg it looks like a good strike duo um that can can get goals they've got lars Bahinen in charge he still hasn't lost a competitive game since he took charge of Starbeck um, two thirds of the way through last season. Um, they he's, sacked a, he's, Ari- a good, he's a good manager, isn't he, for this for this level? Do you think? Yeah, I, I do. I think there was a time when um, Lars Bahinen was sort of he always got sides out of the Obos, but he couldn't keep them in Elite Serien. But he's evolved as a manager, and the stint he had at Sarpsborg impressed me. I thought they were a bit harsh not to keep him on. I think maybe there was a few disagreements behind the scenes, not not football related. Um, so it didn't surprise me. Starbeck snapped him up last season. Three five two system that he plays. Defensively a lot more sound than he ever used to be. Um, and I don't think they're going to be easy to break down at all. They they knocked Mulder out of the Norwegian Cup on penalties in a one all draw, but it was a legitimate one all draw. Most ridiculous penalty shootout you've seen for a long time, mate. Um, it went all the way through to penalty number 13. Both goalkeepers were involved and scored from the spot. And I'm going to talk about a goalkeeper to start things off because they signed Isaac Pettersson from Toulouse on a free transfer, former Norshipping player, former Alsvenskan goalkeeper of the season. Great signing. He replaces Marcus Sandberg, who was great for them last year in Obos, but I think Pettersson's actually an upgrade. Isaac Pettersson, 25-year-old, coming into his prime, Saw some of his saves in that shootout. He's maybe one of the reasons they've got to that semi-final. So a brilliant addition there. They've got a lot of depth in most, well, all areas of the squad. And, you know, with Starbeck, known for famed academy, there's always youngsters chomping at the bit. A 15-year-old came off the bench against Mulder in the cup match. I mean, that in itself is absolutely remarkable. Um, Philip Jensen Reeser is his name. And... um, yeah, that just sums this club up. And I think they're actually, the actual quality on paper is better than some might think, oh, they're going to be a massive candidate to go down. But I think they can maybe have quite a little bit more about them and stay afloat with a little bit of comfort. 
Yeah, I love that. And Pedersen, I mean, that is like you say that. I think that's a bit of, I mean, free transfer. So I must be dropping wages from Toulouse, to be honest, you know, playing in Liga. Uh, mm. Never really sort of made it there, did he, in the end. But uh, he's, a, he's a quality keeper and still a good age. He could well, he could well get another move, actually, I think. So definitely um, great, great signing there. So you've got Starbeck safe. That's one down, five to go. So uh, they're in the clear. Who's next to your trapdoor? 12th place. Yeah, and I, I say, just before I move on, I think the defence can be a reason why they're in the clear. Like, good goalkeeper. 4.5 million on fantasy, by the way. You could do a lot worse than adding Isaac Peterson. Um, in addition to a couple of strikers, you can get them goals. So, moving on to the next team, I've got, ah, oh, Strom's Godset in 12th. Interesting side. The only team that have changed their manager in the off-season. They've got rid of... Hakon, uh, what was his name? I've forgotten. It was a managerial duo, which I need to actually check. Bjorn Petter, Inge Britson, Hakon Wiebelund. Uh, Inge Britson has actually moved into a, a consultancy role at Mjöndal and their bitter rivals, which is it suggests that when, when it was mutual consent was the departure. But maybe there's a little bit more to it than that if he's moved to Mjöndal <laughs> um, after this. Um, but they brought in a, a bloke called Jürgen Isnes who was the manager of K from Oslo in Obos again for six years, I do believe. Couldn't quite bring them up. I've heard a lot of good things said about K from Oslo. Um, down last season, they were an over-magnet for Betors uh, betting on the Obos. I think every game by three of their fixtures finished with over two and a half goals. Isnes is going to completely change the system here at Godset from a 4-3-3 or 4-2-3-1. To a three-four-three, three. so a big tactical overhaul, and there's a lot of question marks about Godset. I think I don't know what to expect from them long term. Um, are they going to be sort of uh, teething problems with this new system? Are they going to hit the ground running straight away? Let's see. Isnes is a bit of a character. He's worth following on Twitter. He um, he will say a few controversial comments. He's uh, manages to watch out for Jonathan. Uh, 43-year-old. He's got a bit about, uh, something about him. I think I could see him maybe on the Nordic Football Podcast one day. I feel like maybe me and him would get along quite well. Um, game one, mate, game one. So, yeah, it's an interesting team. There's, there is some youngsters. There's some experience. I don't know. I don't know what direction they're going to go in. I think they'll stay up. I put them down in 12th because I just think it's such a competitive league and it's a, a big ask for a team to suddenly change its complete tactical direction, John. Mm. Not much transfer business, only um, only four signings, I think, and you know that's that's not much for com- comparatively. Uh, but they've lost Johan Hove to Groningen for a million euros. Is that, is that going to be a big loss? Big loss, yeah, because I don't really think they, they've not replaced him. Um, Herman Stengel is going to be their key player, midfielder. Everything runs through him, and he's on the set pieces. Technically excellent player. So if something, if he went down injured, they're in trouble in midfield, in my opinion. So yeah, key player there. But yeah, fundamentally, have not replaced Hover. But the change of formation means they might probably not need a player like that. If you know what I mean, there's more of a switch to the wide players now. Like the likes of Thomas Grogard is going to be a wing back rather than a left back. 
Um, you know, we're going to be having sort of some inverted wingers in there as well. They've got a couple of interesting signings from the Obos, Marcus Menart and Jostein Eklund, who scored goals for Randheim and Sandnes. 25-year-old, it feels like the good age to move up to Elite Serien and test yourself. He's brought in one of his players from K from Oslo in defence, 24-year-old Frederick Christensen Dahl. Heard good things about him. It feels like a good time to move up to this level. But again, you know, you're changing systems. A lot can go wrong. I think there's a lot expecting goals from Jonathan Brat Bruins this year. Yeah. They signed him last season. He's a popular fantasy pick. Uh, again, you know, more, most of his best stats and, and goals are in Obos. So good stuff. Mm. Yeah, sounds like, um, well, you think they are going to be safe. We've got one team left. Um, that's guaranteed safety in this league, Steve. So we'll move to 13th. Uh, we've got four teams, by the way, left. Arlison, ha- uh, Haugesson, Ham, Cam and Sandifield. That's in alphabetical order, I think. Well, except for the H's. Um, who have you got in the one final safe position out of those four teams? I'm going with Arlison in uh, this position in 13th place. I think they're going to be quite a boring team. Um, these are not they're not going to excite you too much, Jonathan Allison. I'm afraid. Um, and uh, you know, this is a team that did enough to survive last year. I think they'll be defensively sound, they've got a very experienced manager. Um, and I was really, really worrying where the goals are going to come from, but they made a late addition in the transfer window, which is I think I would have predicted them in the bottom three if they'd not signed Isaac Atanga from Cincinnati for 300,000. Um, he actually doesn't have a great scoring record in MLS, which that's concerning, isn't it? I think there's times in the last decade me or you would fancy scoring goals in that league. Um, however, everywhere you go, there's, there's, there's a lot of great opinions about Isaac Akan- um, Atanga. He's got something about him. He's got flair. He impressed on his debut in the friendly. And, you know, he can play any position in the attack. And he might just hit the ground running and be an X factor for them. It might even be so good that they lose him in the summer. Who knows? He might I mean, be his market, his market value is two million on transfer market. So to get him for that price is, uh, mm. at least on the face of it, is a bargain, isn't it? I think this signing is either going to be one of the best signings of a year or a flop of the year. I just don't know which way it's going to go. But is I would he, is towards... he new for Fana, basically? Is he, is he the new <laughs> sort of target man? That you... Well, they had to do something. They've also brought in a Senegalese big lad, by the way, Mokhtar Diop, 18-year-old, worth uh, another late addition. Um, and this fella uh, is apparently a, a monster. Like he, he can eat up defensive defences physically. So you might got sort of uh, him combined with a Tanga could really work well. But let's see, um, you know, if, he, if a Tanga is going to get the goals for them or Diop's going to get the goals for them. Because they had to do something. Moses Abi was is nowhere near reliable enough up front, and all of their other attacking options are just not good enough, in my opinion. But they say themselves literally on deadline day, or in the build up to deadline day, to change my mind about that they they might have the goals in them to survive because they will be defensively compact. Lars Allen Nielsen, experienced manager, he will dig in if needed and play ugly football. So I think you're going to see like a probably a three four three formation. Don't expect that many goals with Arsenal. Um, but that gives them a bit of a solid foundation combined with these two lads in attack who may well surprise. So I'm just giving them the edge to avoid uh, any sort of relegation, but they're, they're going to be in the mixer. 
So Arlison in 13, those are the teams who will be in 80 Serie in 2024, according to Meatman Soccer. But there's three teams now who aren't guaranteed. And I know a certain uh, recent guest of the show who might at this point be a little bit concerned about your predictions. Um, so let's move on to the team that you have in 14th, which of course is the relegation playoff, uh, Steve. Yeah, the team that I am predicting in 14th is the team that I've seen most predict to finish rock bottom this season, and that is Ham Cam. And uh, I'm a little bit surprised that so many out there are putting 16th on their card because um, I certainly don't think they're an obvious candidate to, to be bottom. But having said that, I think it will be a tough year for them. It's their second season back in the Elitisarian. They finished 13th last year, so only just above the drop in terms of position. Second season can be really hard, can't it? Because teams can figure you out a little bit. And they've lost two or three players of significance. Um, they don't have many goals in them. And that it always concerns me when teams don't have goals in them, Jonathan. That's just, that's just me. 33 goals scored last season. And I do wonder, unlike Arlesund, who look like they might have a couple of players who could be the X factor. I'm not sure where Hamcam are getting their goals from. They brought in Rasmus Friedrichshain Paul from Rosenborg on loan. Now, I actually think this, he's got something about him. One day, I think he will have a season where he just explodes. But he always seems to get loans to crap offensive teams. Do you know what I mean? I, I feel sorry for him. If he put him in a, in a team that just constantly attacked and created loads of chances, I think he'd do really well. But he's going to have to work really hard at Hamcam um, because they're just not naturally that great going forward. Henrik Udal comes in from Volarenga. Not a bad signing, actually. I feel like he was under underused there, really. Um, you know, so, um, yeah, they yeah, might I mean, go okay. Yeah, go I mean, they signed one player, uh, Vida signed Paul, isn't it, from, from, uh, from Sweden as well. Um, we, we talked about him on the, the Osvenskan podcast, didn't we? And I said he never really quite kind of... Uh, Never really quite sort of shone there. Um, he's on loan from from Rosenborg. Yeah, he never really quite shone at Rosenborg as well. He's he's obviously been at Varnamo and Mielby as well for a bit, and Helsingborg. Um, you know, you've mentioned you've mentioned other players there, including him. Um, so, what what is it that you think makes them just have the edge, or maybe a few other teams? Defense and coaching. They they do have good defensive metrics from last season. They didn't concede that many goals. Um, and they will adapt themselves. We, we heard in the Tom Dent interview last year that they are willing to adapt to other teams and make life difficult. They don't play just one way. Um, and I think that can be a good thing for them. I do think they're well coached. Jacob Mickelson is well, um, you know, highly respected. I think the whole coaching setup, I you know, had a good chat with Tom last year and it, it does seem very good. And you can't underestimate that. That can get you points, you know. They can... No, they know how to get themselves some points out of games. They'll take the draw if needed. Um, I'm not, you know me, I'm not a man for draws, but I think uh, it has worked for Ham Cam. But I do worry about them losing some key players like Vettel Shavik, Hassan Kurike, um, Bjurlo as well. So he's gone. Um, so that's a big loss, I think, for, for Ham Cam. So. Yeah, and the pre-season results haven't been great. There hasn't been a great feel about that. I, you almost got to forget about results sometimes. So I can see why some are predicting to go down, but I don't think they're going to be that bad. They can be defensively solid enough. And Sandberg, Marcus Sandberg is a really good signing goal, by the way. 
Marcus Sandberg was the top keeper in Obos last year. Starbeck have obviously moved on from him because they've upgraded. But I think he can do well. So I think they've got enough defence about them, enough sort of grit and tactical nous. But I do worry where the goal is going to come from for Hamcam. Great stuff. So that is them in the relegation playoff. 50-50, will they be in the league next year or not? We will know. Who knows? Um, in terms of Tom, you referenced Tom Dent there. Anyone who's listening, uh, he was on a recent episode. So if you go back through the archives, he was on, uh, I think, um, if you go back two or three episodes, he was on. And he's the Hamcam assistant manager, of course, one of the assistant coaches there. And he he gave a lot of insight into the club so you can get all the insight you need from there. Um, and it leaves two teams, Sanderfjord and Haugerson, Steve, uh, 15th and 16th. So... You've got both to go down. Who, who have you got rock bottom? And why are these two teams going down? Right, I'm going Sanderfield 15th. And I'm going Hargerson in 16th. Now, Sanderfield, actually, um, I, I actually quite like them. <laughs> this might sound a weird thing to say in 15th. I think um, but they could be a real surprise. Certainly in the first third of the season, I think they come out of the traps quite well. They've um, they've signed some interesting uh, attackers Jacob Dunsby, Danilo Alside uh, are players worth watching out for. We know Alexander Rude Tavetta has a habit of scoring goals. Really going to be good on the counter-attack. They're going to surprise a few teams like that. They've been working strongly on their defence in the off-season. And their defence was shambolic last year, um, statistically. And supposedly they've fixed a few problems, but I just wonder if old that, you know, it will rear, rear its ugly head again. Um, as the season progresses. I think they're the sort of team that might get worse as the season goes on. Um, they do welcome back a few players from injury um, You know, last year who missed a lot of significant minutes. There's been quite a lot of player turnaround. And um, I think in a, if, if it wasn't such a strong elite Serian, if there were sort of two or three obvious teams to go, I'd say Sanderford would be all right. It's just one of them years where you know, it's such a strong league that I've got to predict two teams to go. And and they're just unfortunately one of them where, you know, statistically and logically, maybe they, they revert to the terrible form they had at the back end of last season. And, and that long term, I think they'll struggle. But I think they can come out of the traps well and, and get a few points early on. And Haugerson, I mean, it's, it pains me to see this. They're a team I was sort of fond of at a certain point over the years, but... To be honest, I kind of went off of them. They became a little bit boring for me. Like they don't, they have been a little bit kind of. They haven't had too many mentions in the last few years on the, on this podcast. Obviously, Sandefjord were 14th last season, survived the relegation playoff. Uh, Haugerson last season were 10th, but uh, you think they're going to drop all the way from 10th, Steve, to um, to bottom of the table? Yeah, and I feel like this is might be coming for a few years. I thought it was going to happen last year when they started so badly, but. They, they, I just feel like they've been treading water now since the season they did qualify for Europe. They've been on a downward spiral. I, I just, I mean, what is Haugerson? What is good for Haugerson? I mean, I'd be interested to know any fans listening, what is a good outcome for them this season? Survival, I guess. But um, the squad is always quite thin. That is that is an issue. They've lost their best player from last season, Christoph Zafiris, who went to one of the Prague clubs. They got good money for him, um, but that's a big, big loss. I've always felt with this team, it, they're two or three injuries away 
from really suffering. And we saw last season this in the first sort of seven or eight games, they did have some injuries like Martin Samuelson, a few others, and, and the results weren't there. And they, they finally had a, a more clean bill of health and they managed to drag themselves out of danger. If that happens again, I'm not sure they'll be so lucky. And um, I just feel like they could struggle early on and, and, and really, in a, in a, again, in a normal season where if there was really two candidates that were so poor, they'd maybe be all right. But it's such a strong league that they need. Uh, I just got a bad feeling about them, Jonathan. I might be completely yeah. wrong here. Um, again, I've got to predict two teams to go down. It's been really yeah. hard to do that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they've got they've lost uh, Christos Seferis, nineteen year old, two point six million euros. That's you know decent money to come in. Uh, Oscar Cruzanel's come from Bromapoikina, twenty four year old left back. He's he's okay. Um, can he be a difference maker? I'm not entirely sure. Uh, they've signed sorry Diara, as you mentioned there from from Petrolul. It just seems like maybe, yeah, like you said, I mean, I, I found them quite boring over the last couple mm. of seasons. I've got to be totally honest. Even the games I've watched uh, since my man Bruno Laite left, although he's uh, he's back he there now. Back, yeah. He's back, but I don't <laughs> think he's going to save them. I mean, one one player just from my point of view that I, I may, I mean, they've got Soderlund, who's 35 now. One player I might look at uh, just to keep an eye on is Adrio and Pagaziti. Um, I think he's been given the number 10 shot. He's on loan from... Is he on loan from Fulham? On loan from Fulham with an yeah. option to buy. Yeah, I've yeah, heard I've, a few I've, say I've, he I've, might be all right. I've seen him at, uh, in youth football under 23s level and he has got a little bit about him. Uh, you know, on his day, I remember him with Fabio, is it Fabio Cavallo who went to Liverpool? They used to connect yeah. quite well for the for the youth teams. But you never know, isn't it? It's, it's a sort of um, left field move, really. But um, you think they will be relegated. So uh, good luck to them. I mean, Halgerson fans... Uh, get in touch, even Justine Greenhow. Get in touch if you want to come on the show. I, I and, uh... just think, I just think they lack overall quality everywhere. They're not mm. that. They're not bad. No one's going to be cast adrift here, Jonathan. In my opinion, I think it's going to be one of them years where it's going to be really tight relegation battle. And um, you know, they, they may well prove me wrong. If they finish mid table, am I going to be shocked? No, I'm not. It's just I feel like they've been sort of just treading water for a while, and this is a down year, and this is not a year to have a down year. So good luck to everyone. Um, you know, for those who are predicted not so high, go out there and prove me wrong. Absolutely do it. Um, so, you know, it's one of those years where it's going to be so, so tough. Every point matters. Yeah. You think it could be literally sort of two or three points separating three, three or four teams essentially. Mm -hmm. And um, just final question on, on terms of the relegation battle and that, that bottom sort of a uh, five or 60, you've got Starbeck, Godset, Arlison, Hamcam, Sanderfjord, Haugerson. If you were to pick, Two players from any of those teams, just two for your fantasy mm -hmm. team. Who would you sort of like immediately come to mind that you'd pick? I think maybe a little bit, little could, bit on the spot, but you know, yeah, maybe you could team. gamble on Jonathan Bratbrune, 7.5 million for a striker who's going to be starting regularly for Godset is, is worth looking at. Joe, I am actually tempted to start the season with um, one of these Sanderfield wingers. Um, the new players, but they're a little bit overpriced. Al Said and uh, Dunsby do interest me because I've got the feeling they could um, they could be a pleasant surprise. But at six and a half million and six million, uh, they're actually classed as midfielders, but they're going to be out on the wing and uh, a threat. So um, maybe you could um, look at Sanderfjord in the first few games and um, they come out of the traps okay. Lovely stuff. We've, we've dropped the code, obviously. We'll drop it again on Twitter, but... Uh... Mr. Meatman, that's two solid hours. Every single team in the league predicted. Uh, pat yourself on the back, my friend. Some fantastic analysis, players to watch, manager analysis. Uh, let me run through the league for you. You can rest your voice. Uh, 16th place, 
you've got Haugson, 15th, you've got Sanderfield, 14th, Hamcam in the relegation playoff, 13th, Arlesund, 12th, Trums Godset, 11th, Starbeck, 10th, Odd, 9th, Tromso, 8th, Viking, mid-table, Sarsborg, top seven, Brand in sixth, newly promoted side, Wallerenga in fifth, Rosenborg fourth, Lillestrom third, Buda Glimp second, and you've got Mulder to retain their title as champions of Norway this season. Uh, you're comfortable with that. And um, if you have listened to the whole show and obviously you're listening now, tweet us at, on Twitter at NordicFootPod. Let us know what you think. Uh, you can also find uh, Steve on Twitter at MeatmanSoccer. You can find me at JFFootball, J-F-F-U-T-B-O-L. If you want to make some comments and also the YouTube channel, as I mentioned, um, we'll have it sort of timestamp so you can listen to pretty much, uh, you can click on each team for, well, you, if you've listened to it that way, then you've already listened to the show. But if not, um, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, it will be timestamped in terms of the episode. And if you haven't listened to the Oz Fence Scan um, season preview yet as well, you know, they're timestamped team by team. But uh, well done, Mr. Mr. Meehan. You comfortable with, you comfortable with that? Uh, I'm going to have to be, aren't I? I've put my neck on the block now. Thank you very much for hosting, Jonathan, as always. And uh, for you listeners, appreciate your support. Uh, do leave uh, all your feedback. Tell tell us what your predictions are. Tell me where I'm wrong and tell me where I'm right as well. <laughs> so, And just um, for those listening, I mean, most people will know who've listened this far, but when does the league start? Easter Monday, the 9th of April. And is there a sort of tie of the round? 10th of April, sorry. 10th of April. Is there a sort of tie of the round that you know we should look forward to? I think the two matches that stand out is the actually the early game, which is Rosenborg against Viking, which is always quite a, a tasty clash between two big rivals. And the, the the last game on the day, everyone's going to be in anticipation to see just how good this brand side is. Brand against Haugesund. Everyone's expecting them to whitewash them. Just imagine if Haugesund went there and won first game. I mean... There you go. Could, could be a, that could be a good clash. So, yeah, thanks so much for listening to the show. I know it's a mammoth episode, but we're going to give due diligence to each team, and it's only fair. So that that's why. So um, we'll wrap it up. Congratulations, Steve Rodden. Yeah, brilliant, Jonathan. Thank you very much indeed for listening. Um, we'll be back again soon for some more episodes. Stay tuned for some great content from the Nordic Football Podcast in the next few weeks. But uh, from this edition, it's goodbye from me. Stay safe. Take care. See you next time. Take care, everyone. See you soon.